James, thanks for joining me, man. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I uh, I, I, I appreciate you coming on and uh, you know sharing your uh, yeah your uh, perspective on things and uh, just to give trigger warning to uh, folks that are out there, uh, we may uh, talk about some uh, controversial things, David. That's okay because some uh, conversations uh, may be a little bit difficult to have, but. Regardless, I, I do appreciate you taking time out of your Sunday to uh, to join me. So, you just got back from D.C. from the uh, the Trump rally. It was a pretty crazy week. It was, uh, yeah, I was there. I was, I might have been involved in some shenanigans, but uh, I gotta say, I I wouldn't have missed it for anything. It was probably uh, the most uh, most historic thing that I've ever witnessed. Um, it was just really exciting. Uh, it's hard to describe the feeling. I've been to rock concerts, heavy metal bands, things like that. Mm -hmm. Never experienced the intensity like I did there. It was like, if I had to compare it to something, I'd maybe... Maybe you're off to the side watching Spartans get ready for war, something like that. It was it was insane. But then everybody kind of rushed into the Capitol building, and then what do you do when you get there? They didn't really do anything, in my opinion, very criminal. Maybe some people, you know... I think some people definitely did some criminal I think some stuff. people did, but... Like some folks were raiding offices and yeah, taking and devices. breaking windows, things like that. Mm -hmm. um, the majority, what I saw, was were people just, you know, trying to troll. People taking selfies, you know. Look what I did. I'm in the Capitol building. And that's basically... Not too wise. Not at all. <laughs> not at all. <laughs> but that's, uh, <laughs> that's the times we're living in. People... Jeez. People nowadays, when they have their camera out, it's turned to themselves. Yeah. And it's just different different uh, generation that we're dealing with. Um, when I grew up, you go somewhere, you take pictures of the scenery. Now it's all, turn it on yourself. Yeah. That's okay. It's not something I'm into. <laughs> but, but yeah, I got to say, it was an exciting time. I wouldn't have missed it for the world. Uh, if they do it again... I'll go back. Um, I was surprised to discover, uh, once I got back to my car and ready to retire for the evening, I checked my phone, um, checked the text messages. I started reading what, um, what the media was saying about it. Um, you know, my friends, my, my parents were texting me saying that they're calling us domestic terrorists. And uh, nothing could be further from the truth. Uh, yes, there were some people that got out of line. And uh, if, if you're part of the group and you have a couple of people get out of line, I kind of think it's, it's on the group to correct that behavior. Mm -hmm. Nobody really did, though. And uh, well, It's kind of the same thing you saw with the... Uh quote-unquote peaceful protests as well, like this quote-unquote peaceful protest that happened in D.C. You know, mm -hmm. But uh, over the summer, where you... you you're, you're, you're essentially seeing... 
trying to put it uh, delicately and uh, with a bit of logic, but you're 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 seeing these fringe folk that are involved, right? Like mm-hmm. these uh, agent provocateurs. Mm-hmm. So. In particular, in um, uh, Minneapolis, before shit really started popping off, you were seeing these folks that were just dressed anonymously going around and smashing and breaking windows. Mm-hmm. Now, there's a... Um, I forget the name of the study. I think it's actually called like the broken window effect or something like oh, that. Oh, yeah. I know exactly what you mean. But if, if you are... If you see like looters or damage that's already done to a building or something, you're more inclined to then... Uh, 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 exacerbate the damage that's done. F- folks aren't really too set on starting the uh, the damage, mm. right? But mm-hmm. once they see somebody else doing it, then they feel like, oh, it's okay. Uh-huh. It's okay to do it. That's because people, in my opinion, uh, they behave like lemmings. And I, that sounds insulting, I realize that. Um, but it's really true. If you want to if you want to see... Um, if you want to see group behavior, uh, if you get a group of people together and somebody gives a speech, all you need is uh, maybe four or five people in that group to stand up and start applauding. The rest of the group will do it. Yeah, it's uh, people just want to fit in. They don't want to. Um, they don't want to stand out a lot of ways because they uh, they kind of fear being um, you know outcast. Or just perceived to be an outcast. Right. And uh, in my opinion, the media bosses know that and they exploit it. So when you have something, when you have a democracy, uh, this has been said before, this is not my own idea, but in a democracy, the, uh, the electorate defaults power to the media bosses. Have you ever considered that? I, I can uh, see that. I, uh, I like to view it as their, um, th- the media isn't news anymore. They're, they're uh, PR firms. That's correct. So that's essentially what they do is all they do is give uh, narratives mm-hmm. out as far as like, this is actually what's happening. We know that you may have seen this, but this is actually what's happening. Mm-hmm. Right. And now all of them seem to almost uh, parrot each other. That there is no difference, like they're not necessary. It's the illusion of competition, right? Mm-hmm. So, like back in the day, they broke up Standard Oil, right? Because they were like, you have a, you know, a monopoly. monopoly. Yeah. So Standard's like, okay. So they broke up into like seven companies. So now they still control all seven companies, mm-hmm. but they have the illusion of competition for the public. Mm-hmm. I, I feel that's not how our news organization started, obviously, but. They, they've just been, over time, just been bought up and bought up and bought up. And now that they're, I mean, they're going to answer to whatever their clients want to do, right? Mm-hmm. They're, they're in, that's their, their market. It's whatever their advertisers want to do. And mm-hmm. now they all seem to be on the same switch again, like this illusion of competition. Right, like they're, um, they're in conflict with each other, but they're still spiral, spiraling towards the same goal. Yeah. What is that goal? Uh, depends on who you ask, I guess. Uh, some people will tell you the goal is fascism. Others will tell you it's a communist globalism. Uh, I tend to think that there's all of those elements are involved, 
um, I wouldn't call it just fascism or just globalism, but um, I think all of those elements are certainly involved, and and it's an interesting time. Um, it's like like you were just talking about how uh, the the corporate media and um, the social media, like uh, Mark Zuckerberg, apparently he thinks he has more power than the president. Um, for him to just uh, ban our president from from Facebook, that's that's a bold move on his part. Either he did it on his own, or he was told to do that. But in either case, what was he thinking? <laughs> so that's a really bad precedent, and it doesn't matter if it's the you know the the orange asshole that's mm. the president, or the sleepy sniffy old guy, mm. the old man Winter that's the president, right? It, I, I think people get too uh, hung up on uh, some of these buzzwords. Like, the name Trump is a curse word now. Right. It, 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 it triggers something in people, right? It, it puts them in a certain frame, almost like it's a, what was that, Manchurian candidate, where they would say, mm. like, a certain word or a phrase and it sort of activates this program that mm -hmm. is unconsciously been added to this person i i think that the you know the the mainstream news outlets kind of have have done that and they like they indoctrinate all of us with that like since mm -hmm. since children you know mm -hmm. so as, to your point as far as like what what is their aim in in all this well the aim to me is authoritarianism yeah like that's that's the aim that's the problem i have with um folks that are so ideological to where they are um th these are these fringe folks at these at these protests right mm -hmm. um i i think they are um uh sycophants in a certain manner right they they it th it does not matter to certain people what trump uh, represents to anybody else to them he is either this champion patriot mm -hmm. or hitler's you know uh, adopted son right like it, it there there's there's nothing in between it's like I, these are become avatars mm -hmm. for what they represent right so if if i'm an authoritarian and i can create Two subclasses of people. I can now market to these people differently. That's right. I can, and when you market to people differently, it's not just about like, well, what are they buying? Like, you can market ideology to them. Like, I, I think that that's what the uh, RNC has done to the religious right, and I think that's what the DNC does to the progressive left. Is they know how to make you feel. Yeah. And they will market to you explicitly because of that. Mm -hmm. So. Again, if like if if I'm on top of this newsroom, and I I I I see these demographics, and I have been working these angles over like four years now to further, uh, not necessarily divide, but categorize, right? To yeah. to find all these different nuances within this demographic to say, well, if then else, if then else, if then else, all the way down to something like 
what eventually will become, um, do you think the president should be allowed to have uh, Twitter or not? Yes or no? And I, I think it's going towards yes if they approve so. Mm. So I think that's a dangerous route. I Trump's rhetoric to me is a double-edged sword because he's uh, a buffoon, yet I really like that we have a president or had a president that was politically incorrect. Mm. That is a really, really good thing in my mind, uh, in my opinion, uh, because as far as getting away from the how we perceive politicians as these orators, mm-hmm. right? For like like Obama, greatest orator that we've had as a president I've mm. ever seen. Uh, Kennedy was pretty good. Uh, but. Clinton was as well. I don't like the guy. In fact, uh, I kind of think he should be locked up. But I, I, uh, I think he should be more than that. I think he should probably... Uh, I wasn't going to say that. Be burning but. in hell. <laughs> <laughs> but he, not a uh, fan of the Clintons on this show, sir. I am, I'm not a fan of Clinton, but he is a guy who can... Uh, he's, he has the gift of gab. You can fly him in somewhere and say, you're giving a speech to this audience. The, the subject is this. And he doesn't need a speech writer. He, doesn't, he can go out there and just on the fly give a speech for like two or three hours. Yeah. That's impressive. Others would say he's a good bullshitter. Maybe. It's well, I mean it's it's admirable. Like even whenever like you see like somebody who's a an incredibly talented liar, we sometimes we call them actors, right? Yes. But we admire those people because again they make us feel something, mm. right? So I think it's that uh, the way they're able to sort of like punch through the veil and like hit us in our uh, empathetic zones just yes. in the right way. All right. Then that's how like you get people to be like, I like him. He's a good politician. Mm-hmm. He's good. It's like, well, I mean, maybe I don't. I don't. Th- I don't think there are any. Like personally, <laughs> well, like I, I think that's kind of the like in order to work in that industry. You got you got to get your hands dirty. Yeah, you got you got you got to you got to have some you got to have some blood on your collar. It Plus, seems it seems like you have to just have an innate sense of um, like a, a selfishness, uh, a desire to um, kind of make it to the top of the hill mm-hmm. and put everything everyone else behind you, and that that takes a certain kind of person uh, a lack of empathy yeah we call them psychopaths <laughs> no, sociopaths. yeah yeah so uh so the problem because becomes is everyone in politics a sociopath or do they just have sociopathic tendencies i think that's likely the case i also think that you if you are a successful politician it's probably be it's probably because you can be uh, you can be blackmailed you're susceptible to uh, being blackmailed because of your criminal behavior or mm-hmm. criminal tendencies and if we have a government full of politicians who are like that we have problems um, but again that uh, that goes back to my original point, which you expanded on very well, uh, which is the media bosses. We default uh, power to the media bosses because when you take a politician, any politician, Republican, Democrat, independent, whatever, 
it's the media bosses who um, shape that person's image in your mind. So a, uh, a honest person can be portrayed as dishonest and racist or whatever buzzword they want to use. They can be portrayed that way in the media. And if they're portrayed that way, the, uh, the electorate believes it. They, they, they just do. And it's not because most people are uh, unintelligent. I don't believe that at all. I think most Americans are pretty intelligent. The problem is, uh, they're just, you don't have time to dig through all this. People go to work every day, all day long. When you get off work, you want to have dinner with your family and go to bed. You might flip on the evening news and, you know, catch it for an hour. When, most people just assume that the news are telling you the truth. It's not because, like I said, it's not because they're unintelligent or they're gullible. It's because they have no reason to believe that they have the news would have any reason to lie to them. For example, I'm not I'm not so much into sports. I admire uh, I admire sports, but I'm not into it. Right. So if I turn on the news tonight and I catch the sports section and they're talking about uh, I don't know maybe a running back is like at the top of his game and he's the best running back there is. I have no reason to believe that newscaster would be lying about that because why would they? Right. And um, unless you take a specific interest in that sport, you're just going to assume that they're telling the truth. And that's where I think that's where most people are. They, um, <coughs> they're aware of a lot of political issues, but they don't have time to dig deep into it. Right. Um, Aside from that, whenever you do start, you know, digging into something to try to find truth and form your worldview, it's not a comfortable journey a lot of times, mm-hmm. you know, and it takes a long time for for people to get comfortable with who they are, what they believe in, mm-hmm. what, you know, they're especially like what is going on in the world currently, because nobody wants to like feel like they're so out of touch that they can't connect with their fellow human beings That's on right. current events or anything also goes to your point about uh, where you talk about uh, with conformity mm-hmm. like uh, another uh, uh, famous uh, psychological uh, uh, experiment was whenever they would have um, I think it was a group of five people and they would have four of them uh, they were asking like basic math questions right and four of them they had planted to give the incorrect responses and the fifth person, even whenever they knew like what the correct responses were, they had a tendency to just agree with the rest of them. You know, right. two plus two equals five. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think most people are like that. Uh, they just they don't want to stand out. They don't want to be. Uh, well, at least it's it's a certain type of vulnerability with it, right? Like when that's in the animal world. If you don't conform, you get eaten. Mm-hmm. So I've, there's a part of us that's you know wired like that because we are beast-like. We are you know, <laughs> the hu- humans are animals, yeah. and uh, for people to believe that uh, that humans are such uh, an advanced animal that animal behavior ends with humans, I don't believe that. Um, 
It does in certain instances, but right. we do have behavior, and that goes back to what I was saying about about people behaving like lemmings. Mm-hmm. Um, Precisely. And uh, I, I, I'm one of the people that kind of, uh, I go against the current. Having said that, uh, I'm still susceptible to it. Um, if I if I were to walk outside and there were a group of people right now and they're all looking up into the sky, looking up, I would stop and be like, "What are you looking?" At? And I would start looking. <laughs> Is there a drone? Is it a UFO? What? And it could just be a simple social experiment, you know. But uh, it goes back to what I was saying: the media bosses, they understand that. They figured that out a long time ago. Yeah. So they realize that uh, that all they have to do is exploit that um, that sense of people's wanting to fit in. And um, once you do that, you can you can lead people anywhere. Um, that's why we have so many insane policies, insane viewpoints right now that are mainstream. Uh, I just. I don't know. <laughs> well, like one of the ones that uh, worries me that they they've been calling uh, racial sensitivity, but it's the critical race theory, mm-hmm. and but they 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 do this game with words where they they'll say like, well, it's it's actually this. It's like it's not actually that. You're using different words uh, in an uh, ad hoc manner in order to connect again on an empathetic level with the people you want to support it right mm-hmm. so like they they do this wordplay and you look at like critical race theory and it's like this is a supremacist ideology that's right it's packed in here mm-hmm. 100% hard pass for me on any type of supremacist yeah. ideology based on qualities that you had no say so in nobody got to choose what pussy they fell out of (laughs) and where they landed when they were born you know nobody did you shouldn't make laws that are that are that are based on these things let like let alone especially ones that involve some sort of hierarchical system like supremacist ideology where you start putting people's value into like how you were born like I, i i and like don't get me wrong, I, I am uh, uh, left of center on certain things with, um, for instance, like uh, reparations. I think that American descendants of slavery, not black Americans, because not all black Americans are American descendants of slavery, mm-hmm. and not all American descendants of slavery are black Americans. You, you have many American descendants of slavery. I think that businesses that uh, were uh, uh Profitable and maintained through the Confederacy that were a part of the Confederacy and supported this, whether that's the DNC uh, oligarchs themselves or any of these other businesses, reparations should come from dismantling those companies and then using those funds to give back to those communities and those specific families that are American descendants of slavery. That's how it should be done. It should not be done with taxpayer money, I do not believe. I do not right. believe it should be done with I that agree. at all. I think it should be done with these companies that profited through and from the confederacy existing from the idea of people as property as a market economy which is an evil ideology in itself that people are property people are not a commodity Mm -hmm. from being born you have this gift of having innate value in yourself like just from existing you have value in that whenever you start saying that well 
Yeah, but see, your ancestors came from this part of the world, mm-hmm. and you have these type of genomes in your DNA. Therefore, these rules apply to you and not to your neighbor. That is that is not freedom. That's not America. That is something altogether new and scary that is authoritarian, essentially. Right. And in the 60s, yeah, well, prior to the 60s, prior to the civil rights era, it was, uh, it was the black community that was, you know, downtrodden and uh, portrayed in a bad light. Right. Currently, it's, uh, it's white males who are being portrayed in a bad light. Mm-hmm. Um, not always, of course. But uh, just the fact that people would put those two words together, white male, as if that's an insult. It's not an insult. It's just what you happen to be if you're mm. a white male. I actually am not a white male, but I identify as one very convincingly. That's why I look like this. <laughs> is that right? That's, that's, that's what, that is. <laughs> what are you really? I can't. I can't say on this show. I see. Know, okay. Okay. But <laughs> no, no, no. You're 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 not wrong though. You know what I mean? Like it's the these are again. They're these are marketing campaigns. So if you look at how like say the Jim Crow era South uh, worked ideological marketing campaigns. Like they, they had all of these pamphlets that talked about black Americans being savages, right? Mm-hmm. And they went through all of this balderdash like phrenology and uh, right. uh, barbarism. Like, like every culture, every tribe, every race, every ethnicity that is on earth has barbarism in their past. Mm-hmm. It's a human characteristic. It, it, it's so is the, um, in a lot of ways, racial supremacy is a human characteristic for people who are, uh, for people who are, uh, I don't, homogenous. Yes, uh, they don't. Uh, a lot of times, they don't feel comfortable expanding outside their own community. Mm-hmm. So they just kind of see things in a racial racially supremacist way uh, that doesn't mean uh, always white supremacist it's just something that happens in nature every single race that I can think of uh, has their own um, has their own racial supremacist group they have their own uh, organized crime groups you look at you know Yakuza mm. a, a white male's not going to be able to you know, infiltrate that because it's... Unless you're Tom Cruise, you know. This. Oh, yeah, he can, uh, man, he can do anything. He's a, <laughs> <laughs> he was the last samurai. He was. The he last was. one. Amazing. <laughs> so, uh... They brought in a white guy. They're just like, that's it. Our culture's ruined. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> they're yeah. they're going to steal just it. Just end it there. The <laughs> hand <laughs> so, is Tom Cruise. The guy's sawed off. He's like 5'4". Just call it there. So, uh... But, uh... <coughs> I kind of... We kind of kept it going there. Was, yeah. But, but no, you're uh, talking about how, um... Some, uh... Some folks uh, are isolationists even when it comes to their biology as well. Like, I mean, that's essentially what it is where these folks are um, supremacists and they're segregationists as well, you know. And th- there are, there are, those are separate ideas altogether. A lot of the, when, 
and again, it goes back to like uh, cheapening words, but whenever you just sort of say like racist mm-hmm. with like everything, it's like, okay, what are we talking about? Like, exactly. Good job, bonkers. Isn't it interesting how um, a lot of the racial supremacist groups come out of ideologies that are supposed to be egalitarian? Yeah. They claim that they want equality for everyone, and yet they stick their fists in the air and say this is a a safe space away from whomever, white supremacy or Mm -hmm. whatever. Well, that's kind of one of the, uh, you know, one of... Things about uh, uh, Marxism that I, I dislike is this notion of like utopia. Yet we need to look at all of the races separately and judge uh, each accordingly, you know, to their to their abilities, right? Marxi- Based on everyone's needs. <laughs> it's it's there's there's a lot with Marxism that is aside from its susceptibility to authoritarianism. There's a lot with it that is just a poisonous ideology to begin with. Absolutely. The communists of Eastern Europe murdered more people than the Third Reich ever did. They, they murdered their own people, mm-hmm. including the best and brightest. Uh, the fact that most Americans are unaware of this is alarming. Um, well, ideological subversion happened in ex- the 20th century. That's correct. Um, so you have all these institutions that were... Uh, talking about the the horrors of, uh, uh, of fascism mm-hmm. and that, like, uh, you sort of just overlook the millions and millions and tens of millions of people that died from underneath uh, Marxist or Maoist regimes mm-hmm. that, that came in, again, under the guise of, you know, we need to make the world a better place for everyone. Right. You and, know? I mean, Marxism, in my view, is a... F- and I, I can, I would debate this with anyone. Uh, Marxism, just from the onset, is a fallacy because uh, Marxism, communism, it claims that everyone's equal and we all kind of put into the same pot and and uh, distribute the money or resources equally. But at the very onset, you know, money is not going to redistribute itself. You need administrators to send Precisely. that out. Right then, it is it has defeated itself. The concept has because you have everyone equal except for this small group of people mm-hmm. who are entrusted with distributing this. Yeah, you just change out uh, the bourgeoisie for one for another. That's correct. The shadow bourgeoisie becomes the new bourgeoisie. Mm-hmm. You get uh, rid of uh, the previous one. And uh, you were talking about uh, critical race theory and the um, uh, basically the their use of words, their, how they uh, the double speak mm-hmm. uh, to borrow from Orwell. Um, double speak. They have words that mean one thing and yet they uh use it as a as another method for example they could say uh we're here to fight racism except they want their own safe space away from other races because of whatever reason that's a fallacy in itself um yeah don't you like i remember like growing up and seeing like uh pictures from before the civil rights era where it was like like they had like separate water fountains for mm-hmm. like people separate bathrooms for people it's like that's so awful man like what 
that was one of my big hangups with uh, whenever a few years ago when it was you know uh, taboo. It's like like with uh, the trans bathrooms. It's like why don't you yeah. just go to the bathroom? Yeah. Why do we need legislation and like all this talk about like well we need to talk about this bathroom stuff that's going on. It's like yo if somebody's doing something nefarious in the bathroom or they're not supposed to be in that bathroom. Folks are gonna tell about mm-hmm. it. it. It's like they they will be quite vocal it's, about it. I've so, I've had like uh, uh, trans coworkers before mm-hmm. that uh, they're not uh, biologically male, but they were still going to the men's room. I don't mm-hmm. who fucking cares, man. Like very few people, care. dude. If you need to poop, go poop. <laughs> like, I mean, the thing is, is uh, they it's again, it's the media that's making issues out of this when most people are just like. You you want to go to the bathroom? Go to the bathroom. Well, Who cares? Well, and here's an interesting thing with that as well. With the you know, as far as in regards to the media, it, it then takes these folks that are the would be target of this marginalization, right? And then it it, it again it, it hits them in that empathetic part of them where they're just like like why are they attacking me? Mm-hmm. Like like I thought we were past this. Mm-hmm. Like what why is this going on? It's like. Well, you're not necessarily being attacked. You're being told that you're you're under threat. So, if you're not able to sort of look past that and see like like what what's what's the game that's being played that they're marketing to me, mm-hmm. right? Then you're more susceptible again to like be manipulated into reactionary uh, uh, methods rather than um, responsive methods right so if when you react to something you're not really thinking logically you know if you're having thanksgiving dinner with everybody you've ever loved and a ninja kicks in the window and punches the oldest most fragile person at the table no one's gonna go now wait hang on sir wait a second who are you you broke the window no calm down no everyone's going to pounce on that person and beat them you know what i mean like that's that's a, a reactive like response. So whenever you're reacting emotionally to this data that they're feeding you, mm. then you're very susceptible to be manipulated. Yes. Ver- what you want to do is you want to respond to something. If when you respond to something, you can take a breath, think about it for a second, and it's, it's a game of chess, right? Mm-hmm. Whenever somebody lays down their piece, you don't want to immediately just be like, like well, and like move something hastily. No, take a moment. You, there, there's, there's a problem, right? So you have to think about how to address the problem. And nine times out of ten, if not more, I would say a, a reactionary a solution is uh, uh, more damning to uh, the oh. cause than what they uh, would want it to be. Well said. I, I would totally agree with that. Um, also, I think of a lot of what's happened in the 20th century is this... Uh, this view of victimhood as if it's something that you should be admired for. Um, now that sounds kind of, uh, maybe that sounds confusing, but I'll give you an example. Like, like the, um, that issue with uh, transgenders going into the bathroom. You could go into the bathroom and use the bathroom nine times out of ten, there'll be no problem. Maybe something to you and, you know, it might hurt their feelings. But it's like they, uh, a lot of times people, I'm not picking on transgenders, it's just, I'm using as an example. A lot of times people uh, use that 
victimhood status as if um, it's something you should um, maybe give them attention for. Maybe they maybe they uh, put it on social media for likes mm-hmm. or for people to come by and say, "Oh, don't worry about that. You're a good person." It used to be where if something happened to you like that, you'd kind of you know brush yourself off, pull yourself up off the ground, you know, go about your life and try to try to you know let it roll off your back, but. I don't know when it happened, but the, this victimhood status as something that should be admired is... I, I think it's people look at uh, something like that and, um, you know, for, for you know, like you said, like no matter what it is, if, if you run into somebody who is bigoted against you, right? And it creates this um, this feeling of like, like I just... I. I, I need to. I overcame this. You know, I'm 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 proud of who I am. I like this is me. Well, look that's out, look out world. Yeah, right? that's very. Admirable. But I I think that that is a lot of times it's kind of tied into the victimhood because transcendence in, involves uh, you know a a lesser than state right that you have to overcome to oh. become greater than. That so makes sense. I, I think a lot of times uh, psychologically. Folks like that, and social media definitely does not help with mm-hmm. the, the dopamine regulation of it. But I think that a lot of times that they they will sort of latch on to that champion mentality. Well, th- they don't really have a lot that they can feel like a champion about, but they can feel like a champion about like like those mean old rednecks who used to kick their ass back in the day. You know, right? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Or, you know, or like what whatever it may be. But I, I feel that that, however, has sort of fostered this victimhood mentality mm-hmm. where it's almost like kids with with a, a, a scraped knee or a boo-boo and it's just like 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 mom dad i need something come on and they come running oh yeah mm-hmm. like and they're you know, and, one, and once the kid understands that they're just going to start the waterworks every time right that it's, makes sense yeah it's kind of like uh you know folks that get um uh, addicted to virtue signaling yeah you know where That's right it's they're they're not necessarily. Uh, I know bonkers. I agree. They're not necessarily like uh, a motivated or kind-hearted person, mm-hmm. but they're going to show to their um, their tribe or whatever. You can't be up here. That um, they 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 align. You know. Mm-hmm. You know. You know. Namaste. Right. <laughs> and, uh, I think a lot of the accusations of. Uh, of bigotry, racism, uh, misogyny, uh, whatever buzzword you want to use, a lot of that, uh, often they're not valid accusations. It's just the person who's levying the accusation uh, wants attention on themselves. If I call you racist, it's as if I'm saying, look at me, I am not racist. Yeah. I I live such a racism free lifestyle that I can, I can uh, accuse you of it because like I said my lifestyle is so free of it. Right. Um a lot of this comes uh, it comes from this is I'm going to segue into this topic here. Sure. Uh it comes from cultural marxism. Cultural Marxism is also uh, its political correctness. Uh, do, are you aware of the uh, origins of this 
political correctness, where it comes from. Wasn't it like, uh, I thought it was from like Lenin or something like that. Uh, well, it, it's that's close. It's uh, political correctness is our term for what is cultural Marxism. The terms are the same thing. Cultural Marxism is political correctness. This comes from the Frankfurt School, Frankfurt School of Social Research. It was located in Frankfurt, Germany. Now, uh, this, might, this might turn into a long-winded explanation, so I'm going to try and run through it as fast oh, we as got, I can. We got, we got time, dude. Okay, go. No, no, no worries. So, uh, the Frankfurt School of Social Research was a, uh, basically a think tank by intellectuals. Um, these intellectuals were sociologists, they were psychologists, they were linguists, um, they were, uh, you know, just that type of intellectual. It was located in Frankfurt, Germany. Their sole purpose was to weaken Western culture and Western institutions or destroy them completely. The way they do that is, well, if you look at who makes up the Frankfurt School, like I said, linguists, psychologists, what they did is they invented brand new words to attack Western civilization. So, for example, the word racism did not exist before the Frankfurt School dreamed it into existence. Once they dreamed it into existence, the word racism can be applied to anything Western. That means George Washington or, uh, you know, Thomas Jes Jefferson, the founding fathers, people who were, uh, created the Bill of Rights. They had no idea what racism was. But when the Frankfurt School created the word racism into existence, and I think this was around the 1920s, 1930s that this happened, uh, they used that word racism to apply it to um, anything Western that uh, existed before the concept of racism came into existence. Yep, that, that uh, makes total sense. I've said this on the show before that like, there are separate ideologies of racial superiority and people as property. Like Those were completely separate and still are ideologies. And added to that, like the the sins of the founding fathers for believing in people as property mm -hmm. is not the same as the document that they created. <laughs> right. There's a big difference. Like from from uh, what I gather, there's a fair amount of celebrities, musicians, artists, creators that were on Epstein's flight log. Mm -hmm. Right. One of them supposedly is like Matt Groening getting a foot massage yeah. from like a, an underage. Like a, I'm aware a of that. I was a huge Simpsons fan right. the majority of my life. Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> the um, the point with that is the art that if it's true that Groening is involved in some sort of like nefarious activity, and I'll, I'll just I'll just leave it at that uh -huh. speculative. But if that is the case. That is not necessarily in the art that he has created. They are they are separate. The artist and the art are completely different. You know, mm -hmm. like I mean, George W. Bush 
is a hell of a painter. Hmm. Like, I think he's a despicable human being, but like, you look at like some of the watercolor portraits he does, it's like, holy shit, George. Yeah. Like, where'd this come from? Yeah. <laughs> like, they're, 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 they're separate, you know, mm-hmm. things, things are not so, um, a cut and dry. You know? Yeah, most people don't fit into an exact mold. They're, people are compli- complicated individuals. Mm-hmm. Um, but but yeah, to the to the point with um, kind of with uh, you know uh, cultural Marxism and like the founding fathers and dismantling Western ideas. It, it then if that becomes the focus of it, like like a term like racism, right? Then you can apply it to all this stuff and say like, well, everything's invalid. Like, like my life is a lie. My life is corrupt. You know, the mm-hmm. system is corrupt. All of this. Mm-hmm. It's like the, the, these games that are being played have been being played for before America was even a country. That's right. Like they've been going at this for a long, mm-hmm. long time, and they'll still be going at it after we're long dead and gone. Yeah, you know? absolutely. I, I feel like this is a. a eternal struggle that's going and we're we're just a small part of it as you know this this small moment of time that we occupy mm. it and you know after we're gone it's just the struggle is going to continue yeah um on a on a metaphysical uh uh point of view uh, i personally believe that earth is eternal chaos it always has been it always it always will be it is there is never going to be world peace on Earth, and because there's never going to be total destruction or war either. It's it's always in conflict, constantly. And it's uh, you know we should uh, make the best we can with it for the time being. People you know? should also recognize that uh, you know a lot of progress comes from the conflict. Yeah, it really does. Uh, it's the only way you grow as, as a as a person, right? Is to again like to overcome something to transcend something you know to become a champion of it so i mean that that ripples out into a cultural and societal level as well you know but um yeah so uh what was i uh uh, getting back to frankfurt school Mm, social research uh they created uh and you've already touched on this uh critical race theory um the Frankfurt School created a concept called critical theory. Okay, um, the concept of critical theory is very basic. It means you criticize. That's it. That's the whole concept. So if a politician says, uh, you know, we need a a small tax, you know, in order to pay for this, all you have to do for employing critical theory is say, no, that's that's a terrible idea. What about the people who are uh, disenfranchised due to whatever? You just uh, create, you know, you use these buzzwords to attack the, the idea. Meanwhile, you're not offering any alternative explanation. You're just criticizing, okay? So the Frankfurt School created that concept of critical theory in order to attack all Western thought. And um, basically, they got away with a lot of this for a while, and then uh, there was the rise of national national socialism. Um, Hitler was elected chancellor, and the Frankfurt School of Social Research decided it was probably a good idea to, you know, pull up tent, get out of town. <laughs> guess where they went? Uh, Russia? <laughs> That's a good guess, but... 
they went somewhere that has open border policy towards, you know, foreign white people at the time, America. Mm. Um, America did not have uh, open border policy towards um, towards non-white countries. It was very difficult as a non-white to immigrate to America back before the civil rights era. Right. So the Frankfurt School of Social Research decided to come to America instead of, you know, staying in Frankfurt. And so they came to America. They went to New York specifically, and they created Columbia University. Columbia University is the Frankfurt School of Social Research. Modern um, politically correct thought all comes from Columbia University currently. Um, smaller universities like uh, VSU, for example, mm-hmm. if they want uh, ac- academic papers to uh, kind of guide their curriculum, they're going to look to Columbia University. The problem is that university is inherently anti-American because it's anti-Western thought. Right. That's part of the problem that we're having here is uh, this, uh, this school is uh, they're ter- tearing people apart and pinning them against each other when we're, we're all Americans. We're, I mean, not all of us are Americans, but uh, we're kind of we're occupying this space where we need to just get along. Right. And, and we have been. For quite some time. Right. And this friction is, uh, this friction that's currently um, happening between the races, between the cultures, between even even people of the same race. Uh, they just, uh, it's deliberate and um, it's been planned for quite some time. And it's very alarming to, once you realize what's going on. Most people don't realize this. Again, it goes back to what I was saying. They don't have time to investigate this. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if I if I explain this to somebody, how it's a you know cultural cultural Marxism as trying to tear down Western thought, most people it's easier for them to just say, "Well, that sounds like a conspiracy theory." <laughs> Shut down and go on with their life. You'll be a lot happier, probably. If you, I mean, you'll sleep better. You'll definitely <laughs> sleep better. <laughs> but they're like they're not wrong because like it is literally people conspiring together to to set this up. You know, mm-hmm. like it's when you, when you the good thing about losing sleep over conspiracy theories is that you you give your brain some much needed flex time like some exercise you know what i mean and it, i i've i've found uh, uh, a a good phrase uh, uh eddie bravo uh says is that i blue pill on the weekends you know cuz you have to be able to sort of like let me let me get away so from you can clock into work. Yeah. <laughs> Let's be honest. Otherwise, what's the point? Yeah, I I, I try to make sure that uh, you know I, I work remotely now. But whenever I was like around people all the time, like like mm-mm, like because I, I look weird enough already for like South Georgia, you know the 
Viking face and the tattoos everywhere and the you know big booming voice and like mm-hmm. all that stuff. So the last thing I want is for them to be like, oh, he's talking about weird shit too. Yeah, <laughs> well, weird shit is interesting to talk about. I do think so. I do, but um, yeah. So uh, uh, back to uh, back to DC and like what happened. So I see that. Um, to me personally. I think this was a um, well, it was a blunder, but I think that this was a, a chess move that was made where these these DC cops were encouraging and let all these folks come up into the grounds of the Capitol and then into the Capitol itself. Right. I think that's a valid point. Let me ask before I, I touch on that. Sure. Who, who do you think uh, planned that? Um, I think there's two logical uh, uh, plausibilities. There may be more, right? Uh, but I think one would be to say that if the you had some f- fringe folks and say like the back the blue like ma- uh, 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 demographic, mm-hmm. you know, the blue lives matter folk, blue lives. But um, if, if you had like like cops like loyalists that thought that they were going to usher in like like this this coup or something and that like you know the Q coup we'll mm-hmm. call it you know I I can see I can see that as far as like them just sort of being like like come on in you know I don't think that is likely as the other plausibility which I find is that whoever was in charge of the DC police knew this was going to happen and knew they can use it to create political theater. Mm. So just as the same way last summer, wherein you see these peaceful quote unquote protests where shit's burning and like businesses are being destroyed and they're trying to tell you that like, this is fine. This is like protests are, are, are nothing. And then they spin it around to, you see what seems to be, LARPing espionage in the in the capital, right? Mm-hmm. And them saying like like this is terrible. This is like like this is the worst thing that's ever happened. Mm-hmm. They're both of them are, are bad things. And they got to a certain point because of other bad things that weren't involved with the groups themselves. You know what I mean? It's it's a boiling point that both of them reach. But I think that the more logical conclusion is that somebody in the DC police that is wanting to make sure that uh, Trump's legacy be as tarnished as possible lest he try to run again in 2024 to discredit his movement as radicals that are trying to take over the Capitol. So why not let them in Mm. and create a panic in the middle of the vote count, which is also going to anger a fair amount of the GOP Senators as well, because I mean, think about it. If you're if you're in those chambers, like you're an elected official, and it's the big day, right? And you're you're watching, you know, um, whatever. Uh, what was what was Johnny Quest's uh, uh, bodyguard's name? It's Mike Pence, you know what I mean? But like, okay, he, he okay. looks like Johnny Quest's pilot. Okay, I've seen that. Okay, I've seen that cartoon. You're right. Okay, but uh, but then like they they have to stop everything. And be like like we have to stop the protesters are in the building. Mm-hmm. Like, what a fucking alarming thing to be thinking about. Like, you're in the chamber, and you just heard, we have to stop. The protesters are inside the building. Mm. Like, and some of these cats, you see them, like, have, like, 
like zip ties and whatnot. So this is obviously not an organized event like a coup or anything like right. that. These are, again, like you're seeing fringe folk that were let inside by the police and the police inside the Capitol security seem to have been completely underwhelmed and unaware that the situation outside was as bad as what it was. Okay, let me tell you what I saw. Sure. Um, well, when I got there, uh, first I, I got there early and uh, it was before the Trump rally started. Uh, the Trump rally was not at the Capitol. Is that the mall? Yeah, or which is in front of the the monument. Uh, I think it was by the Tom, Thomas Jefferson Monument. Okay. The interesting thing is, you could be standing at the rally and turn around, uh, you know, 180 degrees, and be looking directly at the Capitol. So uh, everybody was going to the uh, the rally, and the whole time I was kind of, I, I was like I said earlier, I kind of go against the current that's what i was doing i was everybody was walking to the rally i was walking to the capitol building i was telling people you don't need to be going there you need to be going there that's where everybody's having the vote go to the capitol building so i got there early there were not many people there um security was very lax they had dc police and that was it um and there were not a lot of DC police. There were maybe two to four, um, two to four of them per entrance. That's that's lax. Incredibly. Yeah. Incredibly. They and well, they they knew this was coming. They did. That that that's that's the thing. Like, and it's valid points from some progressive friends of mine that they'll show the comparison between like the, the BLM protests where they have like like armed to the teeth and whatnot, and then. The MAGA protest, and you see just mm -hmm. a couple of boys in blue well, to, well, to handle thousands and thousands of people. But again, like I think that these 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 are these are not indicative of whoever is in charge of the executive office. Who's in charge of that local police department? Who's mm -hmm. in charge of the security at the Capitol? Right? Like that. Like they're they're the ones that are making these calls. They were responsible for preparing everything. Mm -hmm. So I, I I think that again, this was a chess move that they set up to like bait almost to be mm. like let's let's have minimal police that absolutely makes sense and uh i've heard you know a lot of um right-wing leaning people republicans they've mentioned that it was not maga people who were entering the building they were antifa who were uh leading the charge that's possible the only antifa like but, tactic i saw and i i Follow a fair amount of uh, uh, independent thinkers on social media that you know post you know just users cell phone footage and whatnot mm. was uh, the uh, folks trying to smash the windows outside with a hammer and then they pulled them down the light like yo this Antifa you know okay <laughs> here's the thing with that that's that's the point being is like I I don't see much validity to that argument from like like. Uh, Die-hard Trumpers, where they're like, like, well, that, that was Antifa that infiltrated. Right. It's like, I, I, I don't think so, man. Like, fringe exists on your side just as Look, much as the other. I'm, I'm one of the biggest Trump supporters that you'll find until he, until I'm certain that he's uh, screwed us over. And I have my, I have suspicions. I cast a suspicious eye in his direction 
often. <laughs> but having said that, um, the reality is we were angry. Trump, President Trump told us, you know, be at this rally in Washington, D.C., January 6th. It's going to be wild. He told us to be there. He also told us the, the election is rigged and they're stealing it, okay? So we all go there expecting that, uh, you know, when, when the session starts, they were going to wheel out the evidence and start showing evidence of, uh, of uh, voter fraud. As soon as this starts, Mike Pence specifically shut it down. He said, we're not going to look at this. We're going to go ahead and proceed and certify a vote. Yeah, he, he said something to the effect of he didn't think he had the power to was, suspend uh what there's some court term but it means to like put on hold some kind of legalese that we don't understand yeah that, I get it, that he didn't uh have adjourn maybe to adjourn the session for this matter before getting to the next matter that that's what i heard his argument was so it would be easy for uh for maga people to uh kind of blame it on left wing or maybe they blame it on antifa or maybe they blame it on uh what, what are they called the um was the feds who what is that called when feds infiltrate a group what's that term do you know what that term are they like an agent provocateurs there you go okay might have been agent provocateurs having said that it's equally likely that we were just mad because i was mad um a lot of other people we're very mad. Uh, so, what do you expect? Yeah, we're going to... I mean, look, I'm not in favor of uh, destroying property. But, having said that, are they going? if they're going to try to socially shame me for being a part of it, it's not going to work. I'm very proud of what we did. Other than the, uh, you know, vandalism, I'm not in favor of that. Having said that, getting inside the Capitol building and, you know, people, you know, kind of just taking selfies and laughing about it. But to see all those politicians diving under the desks when there's no real threat, they just heard that there's, you know, the protesters are inside the building and they dive under their desks. I'm proud. I am proud of that. It shows that. They, they need to fear the populace who they've been screwing over for a very long time. 2020 was, you know, pretty much entire years locked down. These politicians are government workers. They got paid the entire time. They gave us a $1,200 check and then a, what, a $600 one. For $1,800 for an entire year? Meanwhile, they are, you know, they're not losing their paychecks. No, they uh, they voted to give themselves a, a pay increase. Is by, that, I, think, by, I think about 50 grand each. Is that right? Yeah. I was unaware of that. I don't know if it passed or not, but that was one of the stipulations they had was to give uh, each uh, sitting member an increase of like 57K. It's an outrage. That is an outrage. And, uh, uh, you know, uh, the left wing, I believe, should also be outraged about that. As well, but they would never join us, uh, you know, the MAGA people. Uh, they would never join us to uh, storm the Capitol. 
I don't, I don't think at present. I think that I was talking with a friend of mine uh, as well. I was like, you know, if nothing else in the long term, I think this is going to show the populists on the right and the populists on the left that they do in fact have the same enemy and that they, they can work together, but they have to choose to work together. You know, back in the day, there was a thing called the Fusion Party. The, the Fusion Party in uh, a particular Wilmington, uh, North Carolina, uh, they wanted to outseat the uh, Democrat oligarchs at the uh, after the World War, right? Mm. So the uh, the Workers Party, you know, the the, the local Labor Party, the uh, Black Republicans, and the uh, White Libertarians all got together and formed the Fusion Party with the goal of to first have to take back power and then to be diplomatic with each group and to like work for all three of their communities to you know be prosperous it, it actually worked hmm. it, it ended up working however much like uh, we saw with uh, the president's one term there was a coup that went into effect immediately after it worked and they started plotting the DNC to uh, oust uh, the Wilmington uh, government because it was successful. You had black businesses that were thriving. You had black bankers. You had America's uh, only independent daily uh, newspaper that was owned by a black man. It was called the uh, Daily Record, if I'm not mistaken. Um, independent news, right? And they essentially, uh, in 1898, had a coup. They had an army of white nationalists called the Red Shirts that they hired. Uh, that formed their own white uh, Declaration of Independence. They uh, rumored... When you say they hired who? The DNC. Okay. Uh, hired this uh, group of white nationalists leading up to uh, the election to run their campaigns, to convince everyone that uh, you know the DNC was actually... The, the party of uh, true America is for white people and, mm. you know, like it's, you, have to, yeah, you right. have to stand together. Like, so again, it's a variable, right, that they just tie into it. But it ended up working. The day of the election, they prevented a lot of people from going to vote because they would have armed guards that are standing up. They would come to uh, white people's homes that were registered not with their party and force them to cast their vote early for the DNC. This is insane. I've never heard of this. Yeah, the Wilmington Insurrection of 1898. I'm, I'm going to have to read about that. That's yeah. very interesting. Yeah, on uh, on Election Day, of course, the Democrats then won, right? So they, they took back the city. The day after is when the true coup d'etat happened. So they went and they murdered all of uh, the uh, members of the Fusion Party, including uh, the uh, black Republicans and white libertarians that helped organize it. They uh, issued a statement in the newspaper uh, giving the owner of the Daily Record 24 hours to vacate the city because his property was now being seized by the city of Wilmington. And if uh, they would be bringing out a lynch mob for him, they, no. put, they put this in the paper. In the paper. This is... I'm amazed. And, I've never heard of it. Yeah, this. just uh, uh, 122 years ago. Not that long ago at all. And... Uh, they uh, went in the streets then, the red shirts, and started murdering uh, uh, black families and uh, uh, business owners in the black community. Uh, the, they were rumored to be about uh, 800 people that they murdered on that day, on election day. Oh my God. Bur burned down businesses. They then started adding in all of these uh, 
rules within the city, right? That uh, that you you had to uh, 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 be a, a, a you know a, a loyal white person in order to get like proper bank loans for mortgages. They would have rules where it's like, well, we can give you the bank loan, but you have to be able to pay the principal up front. It's like, so I have to pay all, all of the, the money that I want to loan from you up front? It's like, yeah, yeah, sorry, rules are rules. Well, that's not a loan. <laughs> yeah, yeah but, but it was a way to, to completely ransack the town and cripple it. You didn't see black or uh, even Republican representation again in Wilmington for 90 years. Jeez, this it's, is it's how it's how effective this coup was. They and they uh, they then uh, renamed a lot uh, of the parks and streets and statues after some of the red shirts really? that were involved, and uh, changed uh, some of their history books to show that actually what the uh, the DNC did actually helped the uh, black community in the long run in Wilmington. Mm. Well, uh, that's that's a really uh, communist playbook right there. Yeah. you know, uh, use the. Uh, Use the underclass as a weapon against. Um, it's like a glass of water. Oh no, thank you. Um, you use the underclass basically as a weapon to overthrow uh, whoever's in power, and um, the, a lot. Of, and then you tear down memorials, uh, tear down statues, so that they can erect new ones. Yeah, you change history. Mm-hmm. They can erect new ones of uh, communist heroes, and this uh, the the crazy thing is is uh, people uh, in America who are young people who lean towards communist ideology, they really should look into it a little further because uh, when communists take power, specifically in Europe, you could, this has happened over and over and over again. As soon as they take power, first thing they do is they start killing the best and brightest. Yeah. That includes you, yeah. even if you're a communist, because you know too much. You you know too much about well, how you, they you can system. be a, you can be a threat, and you don't have competition in that type of authoritarian regime. Mm-hmm. It's dangerous, quote that's unquote, right. right? Right. So that's how you get rid of that. You show. People that like, I'm actually willing to go further than you are. Line them up against the wall. And, and they, uh, it ended up being that they killed their best and brightest and uh, mo- most talented people because uh, the communist ideology says, you know, um, basically success is a result of uh, your unfair privilege and uh, your success comes at the oppression of others. Yeah. Therefore, if you are rich, if you are successful, that means you are an oppressor and they have to kill you and take your money and redistribute it amongst the... Uh, Who they choose. Amongst the rabble. Yeah. Sorry to use that word, but... But, you know. that, that, but I mean, it is. It creates class warfare mm-hmm. in a dichotomic value, mm-hmm. which is absolutely terrifying because like, then you... Even if all of us are incredibly wealthy, right? We, we're not wealthy. You're not. You're average. <laughs> You're absolutely average. Yeah. So it, it creates. Um, you know, you you look at um, in the 19th century, people as property was the form of slavery, mm-hmm. right? In the 20th century, the Federal Reserve Act was the form of slavery. That's right. So 
the 21st century, we're uh, moving into whatever the, the Great Reset is going to bring, right? right? And like you said, they've been planning this for years. Mm-hmm. Like since we were like little kids, mm-hmm. this has been in the works. You know, since like the Clinton era, it's been going on. It's not stopping. It's not going to stop. However, you you want to be able to make sure that you st- nobody wants to be told what to do and everybody wants to be able to continue to survive into the 21st century. Mm-hmm. And the sad and scary thing is we're, not all of us are going to. Absolutely not. Uh, someone's go- <laughs> Some groups are going to have to go. It's not a good thing, no. but... That's that's why I think also like they're encouraging all this turmoil in really big cities because of this uh, notion of and it ties into the ideological principles of the Great Reset. There's too many people. Mm-hmm. The 20th century wasn't enough. We didn't kill enough people in the 20th century. There's too many people right. because if we get rid of some people, then we'll be better off. That's that's a fucking poisonous way to look at like solving a problem is like, you know, life is in jeopardy. Therefore, we need to minimize life. <laughs> right. Right. Oh well, man. So is that what you think the uh the driving force between the behind the great reset is? That's just a uh, overpopulation? I mean, it, it's one of them, right? Because it's like climate change is uh, tied in with it as well. And while these may be uh, heretical uh, points of view that I'm saying, like, I, I, like climate change is real. It happens every year. That's right. The climate changes. Now, it's, the con- it's the one constant. Climate always changes. Yeah, yeah. Earth is dynamic like that. Our, our solar system is as well, you mm-hmm. know. <laughs> but, the, you know, we're, we're coming out of the... Uh, a grand solar maximum and entering into a grand solar minimum. So what happens on this is, you know, solar radiation increases, right? Well, when solar radiation increases, the temperature goes up. It takes, there's a lag, however, and whenever the temperature uh, goes up, it takes a long time to heat all of the water that is on our planet, you know? So it, there's a few years lag behind. Well, what happens with that is whenever the temperature increases, well, the CO2 increases as well. So, like, uh, uh, you know, uh, the, the great humanitarian, quote-unquote, Al Gore, is correct that there is a correlation. However, it, it's backwards, right? You have more CO2, more greenhouse gas effect, whenever you have higher temperature, like... In, that, on on the planet, and that's due to the solar cycle, solar radiation. Mm-hmm. So we're uh, we were after the, um, uh, World War II, we were uh, uh, had a low uh, period of sunspot activity. Yet mm-hmm. our uh, man-made uh, uh, carbon uh, footprint started increasing greatly for like thirty years, right from that uh, uh, post-economic boom that we had after World War II. But because the solar radiation was so low, so it, it creates a sort of odd thing where it's like, well, why is the CO2 higher in this 30-year period and not affecting the temperature here? So, but what it does match is it matches the solar radiation. So whenever the solar radiation started increasing in the mid-20th century... They, they started having this these uh, news outlets talk about uh, a, a great global cooling was on the way, mm-hmm. ironically enough, mm-hmm. that we should be careful of this new ice age and we should be cautious about it. Right. Well, what happens? Well, the planet gets incredibly warmer. So now we're 
uh, exiting the grand solar maximum and coming into a grand solar minimum. But again, there's a lag. So while the sunspot activity is starting to decrease, the temperature is still increased for a couple of years, but it's going to start coming down as well. So we're going to see likely in like 60 to 80 years, it's going to get really cold. Oh, man. That, I, don't, I do not like cold weather. That's <laughs> <laughs> but uh, that, I, that makes sense. I've, uh, I've uh, never really... I'm not familiar with solar cycles. Um, I'm an idiot genius, so like, I it's like I I, I just interpret everything as a layman. I'm just a little more, uh, I guess, articulate than the layman. It makes sense. Uh, I would have I was I've been saying that uh, the global warming is due to the fact that we were coming out of an ice age, which is true. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, the little the, ice age, I think, was three hundred years ago or so. Right, and, and it a know, blip on the cosmic the, calendar. You the know. last, the last bit of it was still during you know somewhat modern recorded history. Mm -hmm. um, there's paintings of like New York back in the eighteen hundreds, and people were just ice skating on. Yeah, um, like uh, uh, the River Thames. Yeah, uh, uh, froze over in England. Like I think in the seventeen uh, hundreds, like mm -hmm. the whole river, that's like like that's yeah, pretty fucking cold. Completely froze over. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I have been saying for for years that the global warming was just a result. It's just a product of coming out of the uh, out of the ice age. But I think you just added an interesting element there. Are you, you saying we came out of the ice age due to the so solar cycles? Yeah, it, it, it always goes, it's like a sine wave, right, of solar activity. Now, granted, it has its little peaks and valleys. As that it's, makes sense. But, yeah, so um, what, what it seems to be, it seems to be on like a 400-year cycle, more mm -hmm. or less, that like great uh, cold period, then 200 years later, great warm period, 200 years later, you're back to a cold period. Like it's again, it's a, it's a it's a sine wave of solar activity. So the the these notions of like the, the great reset tying in things with like um, you know climate change. It's like well, okay, so what are we talking about specifically when we say that we want to talk about pollution, right? That's that should be what we're talking about. Water pollution, like throwing garbage in the water, is, is not. Uh, you don't treat or manage that problem the same way you would with like air pollution right you know what i mean like so like when you say like oh we need to you know to think about like what we're doing with our, our carbon footprint or whatnot it's like hey how about this flint michigan still has dirty fucking water mm -hmm. how about we make sure that our water is clean that seems to be like the the big thing you know you have certain uh, fisheries that are literally scraping coral reef like to, to, to like oh, yeah the industri industrial fishing mm -hmm. is uh, doing terrible damage to mm -hmm. our and uh, it should not be allowed uh this uh, what a what a mess yeah or even like garbage island which is yeah. you know supposedly like the size of texas yeah. and you you think about like you think about like oh it's this giant landmass like no it's this water that's infested with all this plastic mm -hmm. the actual huge hunk of like garbage it's probably about as big as like a, a really large boat. Yeah. But like you think about like how that ripples out. Like all of these the, these organisms can't live in this water because it's essentially liquid plastic. I, I tell you, every time it rains in California and uh, 
Mexico, Arizona areas, it just it adds to that garbage garbage island because, uh, well, in Los Angeles, there's a large population of homeless, mm-hmm. and uh, as, as large as the city of Valdosta. That's right. That's fucking that's, wild. That is, Sixty plus that is thousand an people. Outrage. Yeah. That is an outrage. Is what it is. Many of them are uh, mentally ill and. You know, the fact that we're just allowing them to be discarded on the streets like that is disgusting that we do that to our own people. But I'm getting off the subject. Um, what I was saying is uh, every time it rains, those uh, those channels, the uh, they're called... Uh, like the aqueducts? Yes, uh, the aqueducts and, and the... Uh, what are they called? The, um, they're basically like ditches where water goes through them and... Anyway, homeless people camp there, and they tend to leave stuff behind, sleeping bags, you know. Every time it rains, the water goes through those channels and dumps that all into the Pacific. It's just horrible, horrible. We need to do something about the homeless population in L.A. That's, uh, again, this is, uh, to pick on the left some more, the California has been under leftist rule for so long, and these people who are uh, egalitarians, they have no problem stepping over a homeless person to go buy their expensive latte in California. Your your ideology doesn't doesn't align with your lifestyle there. It's okay. They tweeted a picture about how compassionate they are. Right. (laughs) <laughs> exactly, and, and it absolves them. Yeah. Or, so amazing. Fun, yeah, funny. Funny how uh, those principles and scruples sort of just go by the wayside whenever you're confronted with the harsh reality, mm-hmm. uh, which is should be a lot. I, I, I personally have a. Uh, uh, I've never lived on the streets, but I have been without a home mm-hmm. before, and you know, you you should be v- very humbled just that you know you're able to find shelter. You know, what I think this does, I think it normalizes people living in squalor while others are living in these nice castles, right? Like Los Angeles has essentially become a kingdom or a fiefdom, whatever, mm-hmm. you know. Absolutely. It's, it's amazing. <laughs> so uh, back to this uh, the Great Reset. Mm, uh, yes. You think the motivating factor is the uh, solar cycles and the... No, I think that that's something that they're not talking about, right? Because, like, there's, um, I think what they're trying to do is they're trying to essentially, again, like, replace, like, the current upper echelons with folks they want to be Mm. in the upper echelons. The rest of us are still down here at the bottom. Right. You know? But, like, they, they want to minimize competition, from an external source, right? Oh. So a great reset of reimagining currency, capitalism, labor force, all of these things is going to be very beneficial to uh, having that come to fruition, right? Mm-hmm. So, uh, again, I, I think that's something like, uh, well, f- to give an example, like the uh, the Paris Climate Accord, right? Mm-hmm. So 
a lot of folks, they were up in arms where they're like, like, Trump got us out of the Paris Climate Accord. And my first question was, I don't know what that is. Like, like what, what is that? Because, <laughs> like, like, like... It's an outrage because the, <laughs> the news told me it's an outrage. Or, Orange Man did something. Yeah. Orange Man bad. <laughs> but the, um, the Paris Climate Accord, what, what it does, it uh, sets up this system where you use uh, tax credits, money from the taxpayers... To buy carbon credits to allow you to pollute. So it actually doesn't reduce any pollution. In fact, China and India, the two uh, most offensive polluters on the planet, could actually double their carbon footprint and their pollution footprint by just buying more credits. They were allowed to do so under the Paris Climate Accord. And what is a carbon credit? It's an abstract? Yeah, it's currency, right? So folks like Al Gore and uh, uh, the Bushes and all these these other folks that we've seen from Reagan era till till uh, Trump era uh, poli- uh, politics in America have have all been ready for these carbon credits to kick in. Like all this stuff was set up right for them to be able to cash in. Why? Well, because what it seems like is that this global warming aspect of climate change is going to fall by the wayside in a few decades, right? Mm. So you need to strike while the iron's hot. There's a, a famous motivational speaker who's an asshole billionaire named Dan Pena who talks about the absurdity of um, like the ocean levels rising. He's like, if that were the case, he's like, you would have no billionaires buying beachfront property. Right. All these folks buying islands in the Caribbean. You know, like you, you would, you wouldn't have this if they knew that a global catastrophe like that was was coming. So, it, so it doesn't make sense for it. What does make sense is them trying to profit off of it because it's a small window that they have. Right? They only have like a generation or two to be able to convince of this before the data is not going to fit their argument anymore. Mm. You have to capitalize on this. So Paris Climate Accord was a way to capitalize on it while giving the illusion of caring about the environment. Mm. And so they can con- they can continue to jet set around, but it's okay because they have carbon credits. Yeah, yeah. Rules mm. for thee, not mm. for me. Mm. Makes sense. Yeah. Makes sense. So I think that uh, also some of these, these bigger name people, which goes back to something you said earlier, like uh, you know Bill Gates and Fauci, the uh, folks that are talking about like, well, we need to lock down until 2022. I think these men are compromised. Now, I don't have any, me- uh, any data or evidence to support this. This is just my opinion, my perspective. But it makes sense that these men that are incredibly powerful, especially Bill Gates, right, incredibly powerful, you would want to have someone compromise them because if you have them compromised, blackmailed in a certain way, right? If you have dirt on them, then you can get some of the most powerful people in the world to do whatever you want. And I don't think all of these billionaires, are, you know, all the billionaires and trillionaires. No, I don't. I don't, I don't think they're a homogenous group either. I, I think that, say, someone like, uh, well, I mean, Trump doesn't have the same he is doesn't have the same allegiances that say like Bill Gates had you know what I mean or the Clintons had you know they're a part of this same network but like like uh, Trump Trump's allegiances seem to be with the Israeli banking cartel not with uh, the Roman banking cartels you know what I mean like like all these different things and definitely not with the Chinese banking cartels. <laughs> right but like it's 
it, it that makes more sense to me than like Bill Gates really cares about people or even the more uh, conspiratorial aspect of like Bill Gates wants to euthanize the planet. Yeah, you know? he wants to put the mark of the beast in the vaccine yeah. and everybody. Yeah, I, I get you. <laughs> That's a little out there. I think it's. Uh, it, you're right. It's a lot to think about there. Yeah. But uh, concerning the uh, Great Reset, uh, I I didn't consider the solar cycles and the climate change. I hadn't considered any of that. To me, the motivating factor behind the Great Reset is probably uh, the fiat currency. Mm. Um, global fiat currency is set to collapse I mean, globally, and in America especially. Um, right. Inflation has been out of control, absolutely out of control, ever since the creation of the Federal Reserve Bank, which was, what, 1913, what, was it? I think so. It was during the Woodrow administration. And um, so the thing about the fiat currency is this is an ancient scam. It's ancient. Uh, the first bankers, uh, they didn't know about it, but they came to be aware of it. Uh, if you uh, if you're a villager who goes in mine, you know, you know, tries to collect minerals from mines, so you have you you have maybe uh, copper and silver and some gold, and you move from village to village, that it weighs a lot to carry that from village to village. Bankers figured out they can create this central bank and people can deposit their gold there and they can give you a piece of paper that says you have a certain amount of gold and minerals and you can carry that instead of all that weight. Right. They soon discovered that uh, people, these pieces of paper that say you have this certain amount of uh, people became more interested in having that piece of paper than they were in this these minerals and this took place over over uh you know probably decades if not centuries right so once people are interested in that paper that's what the bankers do is they give you the paper and they keep the the minerals and gold that paper is essentially worthless yeah. everyone thinks that it has value the U.S. dollar only has value because people put their faith in that value. Mm -hmm. uh, it's, the, a, it's a god to uh, certain people, like like, like even in particular, like uh, some uh, uh, Hindu sects that they'll refer to like money as like it's a lesser god. You know, like it it provides everything for you, like in in this realm, and like it makes sense. Yeah. Uh, the problem with it is uh, when you have paper as a currency uh, and you can just print paper anyone I mean not anyone but when it's in the hands of those who create currency they can just print as much paper as they want mm -hmm. uh, if they if they print as many dollars as they want the value of that dollar goes down it's a hidden tax uh, that's what um, inflation is oh, that's a good a way to put tax. it yeah uh, so, you know, a politician might say uh, they might propose a 25% income tax. Nobody's going to like that. So they, you know, propose maybe 5%. People are okay with that. But then 
due to inflation, by the time that same politician gets out of office, the the purchasing value of that dollar might have dropped to 50 cents. Yeah, okay? that, that's one of the more alarming things I've seen just in the past year is the buying power, the purchasing power of the mm-hmm. dollar. We've had, uh, I think, like 66% so like or close to that, so like two-thirds essentially of all of the money that is in circulation right now was created, quote-unquote, this year. And the transfer of wealth went up. It went up. Uh, it, it, they didn't. Nothing came down. We they shut down all these businesses, mm-hmm. right? Yet this the stimulus packages went to the same corporations that were allowed to stay open, and like that that like all these special like the um, the Kennedy Center was one where on the first stimulus they fought for it. Like no, I think it was like twenty five million dollars. It may have been more than that for the Kennedy Center. They're like like no, we have to have this for you know our employees and you know all this and so of course they're like all that's right. That's what it was for the employees. Well, no, that's what they said it was for. After the they got approved for it and it got past the first stimulus, they uh, laid off a formidable amount of employees. <laughs> Imagine that. Yeah. So like they they've they've created all this wealth right and then. Most of it still stayed in this sort of upper echelon of everything. So, there, whenever the purchasing power goes down, right, they're still going to be okay because again, they have this reserve mm-hmm. of everything. So, like, uh, it is interesting though, like talking about the fiat currency and like, for instance, what was it, Fort Knox? Things where all the gold mm-hmm. is like hold up. Where like now you're not even allowed. To like, like have like gold bars or anything. That's right, know? citizens. Yeah, that's yeah. that's insane. That's that's a good indicator that something's very wrong. Yeah, that's a. <laughs> so uh, this the fiat currency, the scam that it is, it's always always destined to fail eventually. Um, as time goes on, the uh, whatever your currency is under a fiat system. The currency is going to devalue as time goes on. The problem is, is people catch on to this. So I feel like, in a lot of ways, I feel like that's what the Great Reset is heading towards. Um, They can collapse the economies of these countries and blame it on COVID or the quarantine and say, oh, it's due to this. You know, we had a pandemic. Well, maybe... Is partially due to that, but it's mostly due to our bullshit currency yeah. that they've been, you know, and uh, what a mess. So I think they're trying to collapse all of that and usher in a new uh, global currency, which uh, you could argue that we have a global currency due, just a due petrodollar. to... Petrodollar. Well, just petrodollar and plus each each country has credit cards. You can use a credit card. Yeah, that's true. Or wherever. But um, I really think that that's what they're doing. They're going to collapse the currencies and then restart it so that no one detects the fiat currency is what it is and that, that's bullshit. Yeah. It's a scam. It's an ancient scam. Um, in fact, uh, the fall of the Roman, uh, I'm sorry, not Roman, the Russian Empire, when they uh, ushered in the Bolsheviks, the communism. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, before I tell the story, I'm not certain 
how factual it is. It's, it's, this might be one of those conspiracy theories, but I'm going to throw it out there anyway because it's just a fascinating story. Um, basically, uh, the elder Rothschild at the time sent an agent to the Tsar of Russia um, pretty much trying to convince him, the Tsar to install this fiat currency in Russia. Um, the Tsar was actually aware of the scam uh, due to, you know, just people uh, surrounding him. He's people, the scam has been around forever. So right. he detected the scam and he sent that Rothschild agent packing. And uh, basically the Rothschild decided that he had to go. The Tsar of Russia had to go. They created Bolshevism, uh, the communists of Russia. Basically, uh, they stormed the castle, murdered, murdered the Tsar and his beautiful family, murdered them, and uh, then installed communism and started murdering the populace of that country. Yeah. Um, and they had a civil war, like, right after that. The yep. White Army, I think, was yeah. the, the uh, other populist uh, army. And they lost, but... And, and it just spread throughout all these countries, Ukraine and Poland and all of that. And it's... Uh, basically, if the whole story is true, it's all due to the scam of fiat currency, which is a great problem that we're having today. Um, and that's, to me, that's what the motivating factor of the Great Reset is. Could be wrong. I've been wrong before. <laughs> but uh, and it, it could also just be one element of it. But I think that it factors in highly. I, I, I would agree with that. And I definitely think that, like, like most things, there's not just uh, one thing going on. You know, there's, there's mm -hmm. a... There's a, there's a Lot, lot of fingers and play on the board, yeah. but um, yeah, the some I think different societies are going to be doing things differently. Like what uh, what they have, like the the ten geographic zones, pretty much split up is like how the globalist network works. So like America runs America, and then you know the uh, northwestern hemisphere, right? India runs uh, uh, India, uh, Arabia runs Arabia, Australia runs Oceania, China runs. Uh, the uh, eastern uh, seaboard of the mm -hmm. world, uh, the EU controls uh, Europe. The African Union controls Africa. Like they're they're they've been planning all this stuff for a while. What is kind of uh, I don't know about frightening is a stronger term I'll use, but um, you know, uh, uh, irksome I guess if nothing else is um, the United Nations. Right, this like we have them set up in our own country. And yeah. like they, like we have already seen, like people and politicians try to call on the UN to send in the troops to re remove uh, government officials. That's treason. <laughs> yeah, and there's one penalty for treason. This is true. This uh, this came out um, yesterday morning, I believe. Uh, it was a New York Times article that talked about. Um, it would have been Saturday, right? So. Uh, Nancy Pelosi, uh, supposedly, according to the Pentagon, came to them and said, I would prefer if you ignored 
any uh, commands that come from Trump for the next uh, 10 days or 11 Why? days. Why? He has no power. Apparently, he's voted out of office. What are they worried about yeah. him doing in the next... The, the Pentagon responded with, that would be a military coup if we attempted that. Whew. <laughs> yeah. And we're, the military is not going to follow Pelosi. <laughs> no, no. Just because you've got like top brass that are just like, we need war. Like that's most of, most of the military uh, really enjoys Donald Trump. Like most of them do because mm-hmm. he uh, sort of b- brought back a lot of things that has sort of been undermined from them after this twenty year war in uh, the Middle East. Oh, you know? tell you what, the man started no new wars. No, well, he's I... been doing these peace deals and uh, trying to uh, essentially pull troops out, but. There was an article not too long ago where uh, these military leaders lied to him and like his cabinet members about how many troops were still in Syria. Apparently, he thought there was like only like two hundred or two thousand troops, and apparently, there's a lot more troops uh, yeah. than that. Hmm. So, like, like all, all of all of these things that are set up. The irony is that again, like someone like Pelosi, who's an actress, right? Mitch McConnell is also an actress, mm-hmm. as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. Um, they're, they're, you know, screaming that like, oh gosh, it's a coup attempt. It's a coup attempt. No, it's not. It's a protest that got out, that got a little out of control. Mm-hmm. Like what you effectively have done is try to have a coup attempt. Right. Like by going to the Pentagon and saying, ignore the president. He has less than two weeks left, lady. Like now, personally, my biggest gripe with everything that happened in D.C. was the. Um, again, I, I do not support social media banning the president of the United States whatsoever, no matter who the president is. But after the rally, he puts out that video where he's like, instead of doing the, I guess the thing that his officials were probably telling him, like, hey, you might want to calm this down because it's starting to look really bad. Mm -hmm. He starts off by saying, like, we all know it was bullshit, a fraudulent election, Mm -hmm. but go home in in peace. It's like people aren't going to go home in peace when you kind of, like, start off your message with saying, like, but just a reminder, like... You know, we should be angry and pissed off. Well, which like, is it? If it if it was stolen, if it was a rigged election, mm-hmm. we should not go home. We should overthrow these people. Which is it, Mr. Trump? Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, uh, in a lot of ways, uh, consider this. The person behind the storming of the Capitol might have been President Trump. Um not not in the sense that you're thinking uh, he just kind of instigated, you know, inflamed people's tensions and it got out of control. Mm. He might have been uh, using his supporters to start, uh, you know, an insurrection act, which allows him to do certain things. I'm not sure if that's the case, but... Uh, I think if that were the case, I think he should have used the Insurrection Act the minute some of these governors were using anti-constitutional lockdown measures. That's what I personally think would have happened. I think he didn't because he felt it would have jeopardized his chance with the election, which it would have. It Mm. totally would have. But again, I think they already had all of these measures in place to sort of prevent that from happening. Mm. 
Well, it's very interesting. The next, the next two weeks, just the next week is going to be very interesting. Mm-hmm. It's, it's going to be a wild ride. Well, the, the, I, I, I do hope it'll be for the for the better in the long run. Um, I'm not sure it will be. One one thing I uh, I do encourage people to do is uh, try to move someplace more remote. Like if you can, like get out of a city if mm. you can, get some distance between you and your local law enforcement if you can, because mm. what what I do see happening in 2021 is more of 2020. You know, I see more lockdowns happening. I see more folks feeling disenfranchised and angry. What I hope doesn't happen is you know just civil war. I. I do think that something like a uh, a divorce is not impossible, nor out of the question as far as like what's a peaceful solution to this. You know, maybe something does need to happen to where it was like before the Civil War, where the states have their own autonomy and they can, they can decide to run things how they want, and the federal government has no say so in it. Well, what you're proposing there is the only way we get get there is through a, a bloody revolution. That's, I it don't. Could, it could be. It could be. I really don't see. I mean, I could be wrong, but I really don't see that happening any other way, um, unless you're you have an idea that I'm not. The one thing that happened in 2020 I found was interesting. There was a case that was ruled on this fellow. I believe he's dead now, but was in Oklahoma in the 90s, and uh, he uh, used a defense that he actually could not be tried against the state of Oklahoma due to where he lived because there was a treaty from 1892 with the, uh, uh, I think it's the Creek Tribe or the Chaw Creek Tribe, but had with the, uh, the federal government that after assisting them in some sort of military operation that they would be awarded this part of Oklahoma. It's essentially half of the state now, like the eastern half of the state, would be their own state. Mm. Well, this was recently in the news, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. The Supreme Court just ruled on this guy's argument from the 90s in, in 2020, and they ruled that he's correct that the eastern half of Oklahoma is actually not Oklahoma, that it is still within the United States, but that it is under the law of the Creek tribe. And so they're now going to have to look at every single person. From this includes like the Tulsa area and all of like the Panhandle and the eastern part of Oklahoma. Any prisoners that were tried against oh the state of Oklahoma, God. they have to go through all those courts because they're now they're now null and void. They have to let everybody out. However, it also changes tax laws as well. Oh my so God. what on, a mess! So like on like um, uh, autonomous land zones, right? Like like. For instance, Indian casinos, their tax laws are different on that land mm-hmm. because of how they're zoned, right? So, in effect, it creates this argument where you start looking at, okay, let's take a look back at, like, how these states were kind of set up in the Reconstruction era and, like, what was going on after the Civil War. And then you start seeing that a lot of these states, we should probably have two or three times the amount of states that we actually have, and they should all be much smaller. And I find that, like, if we have that as a solution, like, we need to shrink the states. Like, California, there's no reason why California, like, should be that large. It's, yeah. it, it's 
and again, like you said, the native Californians yeah. will tell you the same thing. Oh yeah, well, and that it's been leftist for like the only time I think it was red was during the Reagan years. I don't think it's been red since then. You know what I mean? Well, the interesting thing is if you look at the county line of the county results of the entire state is red except for the major cities. Yeah. And the major cities vastly outnumber the rest of the state in terms of population. Mm-hmm. So when the uh, when the counties that hold, uh, you know, Los Angeles County, for example, when they vote blue, it completely takes away from the rest of the state which votes red uh, just due to population density. It's very interesting. California is a that, that's a case study right there. Yeah. Well, the, and they've been trying to split up their own state for a while now. Like five years ago, they had a measure on their state ballot where they were proposing to split the state up into three, where mm-hmm. you would have lower California, which would be you know Southern California, I think, up to Sacramento. And then you had California, which would be from like Sacramento up to the San Francisco Bay Area. And then from Oakland on up, you had Northern California. State of Jefferson. You know that? <laughs> no. Nah. You've never heard of the State of Jefferson? Uh-uh. Yeah, they were trying to um, trying to push for a portion of, of California to actually be the State of Jefferson. And it's, uh, I want to say that it's Northern, it's Northern California, but it might be that... Uh, I'm not certain. About, I'm not certain exactly where it is. I want to say it's near the Oregon area, but they want to become the state of Jefferson and completely divorce themselves from California. I mean, more power to you. <laughs> I, I I think that uh, counties uh, should be able to leave their state. Like I, I do think that. I think that they should be able to uh, uh, group together with other counties if they wish and leave the state and form their own state. Now, like, again, I'm not sure what the legal process is to do that, but I I, I think that stuff like that is a solution that you could do and avoid, like, uh, a second uh, civil war. Um, I don't see that. Again, that's a more desired outcome. So, like, things that are more desirable take longer, right? Like, it's much easier to destroy something than it is to build something. Mm -hmm. But... I, I think that that is the way of the future, and that's the only way you're going to have local autonomy back, right? Which th- that has come under fire with 2020 being the year of authoritarianism, mm-hmm. and which I am not about in the slightest whatsoever. Well, that's what uh, that's what the extremists have in common. The uh, that whole uh, I've heard about that horseshoe theory. I'm not, yeah, I'm not exactly on board with that. Uh, I think they are completely um, opposed in ideology. The thing they do have in common is that they are authoritarian. Under a under a communist regime, you are going to do as the communists say. Yeah. Under a fascist regime, you're the same thing. Yeah. So uh, that's what they have in common. It's just a struggle between which authoritarian regime we're going to choose to be part of and Right. That's that's where the sycophancy kicks in, right? Mm. Because then you have these folks that are just loyal due to being loyal, you know, like for for the sake of it. You know, it's you you have uh, a good example of a sort of weird paradox would be somebody like Linda Sarsour. Like Linda Sarsour is a champion of 
Sharia law, which is one of the most far-right authoritarian regimes that exists. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they think that the Bible thumpers in the South are like, like the really closed-minded people. Now, see what the religious right does in the Middle East. Mm-hmm. You know, no matter what holy book they're using, go ahead and see how religion mm-hmm. uh, takes control of the law over there. And she's a, a champion of, like, the left. And, like, you know, That's right. Bernie Sanders is like, you know, like, my good friend Linda Sarsour <laughs> here. No, she's here to speak for women's rights. It's like she, her testimony is worth two thirds of yours, according to her ideological principles. And do you do you understand why that is? That she would be a champion of the left. Well, again, if we're talking about authoritarianism and a way to undermine Western democracy and Western values. Western ideology is antithetical towards Wahhabism and Daesh, some of the more fundamental aspects of Islam, mm-hmm. right? So in, in particular in the Saudi Peninsula, you see gross violations of human rights That's right. all over the place. Incl- including against homosexuals, just yeah. for being homosexual. Yeah. And they, they throw them off buildings. Yeah. And American liberals are not... Um, are not pursuing action against them. They're just well because they feel it would make them bigoted to critique uh, someone of a different ethnic or cultural or religious value that they're familiar with. Which all goes back to critical theory mm-hmm. and and the Frankfurt School. Yeah, their their goal is to dismantle Western thought and Western culture. Um, the fact that the um, Hard-nosed Islamists are um, kind of uh, right-wing in their thinking. Um, well, it's right-wing because the the church is in charge of the law. You know, like you mean the Islamic? What, what do you mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, like, like if it, it doesn't necessarily matter if they're you know, a, a Muslim or Jewish or Christian or satanic, for all that matter, they're fundamentalists because the church essentially controls the law. Mm. The The church perverts religion. It doesn't preserve it. Mm-hmm. So do you think it's going to help the law or do you think it's going to usher in authoritarianism? It's It, it, it seems more of the latter of the two is just from a historical context is what happens whenever the church gets control of the courthouse. <laughs> right. you know, there's a, se- a separation of church and state for a reason because it goes two ways. You want to keep the court out of the church and you want to keep the church out of the court. You know, But we tend here in the West to think it's just like, well, the church has no place right. like in our courtroom. It's like, well, y- yeah, but the courtroom has no place coming into the church as well. No, you know? That's a valid point. So why, why are people not allowed to go to these churches or whatnot, you know? So the the religious right does not have control over the law here in America. Right. They do have it in Sharia law because Sharia law is derivative of holy text itself. Like it, it's indicative upon itself to be religious and right-wing because the law commands it. Ah, I see. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. But again, like I think it's fundamentalism. So like Wahhabis and Daesh... These are sects of Islam that they throw like gay people off of the uh, roofs of uh, buildings. You know, mm-hmm. they they torture women. They uh, condone pedophilia in certain circles because mm-hmm. in holy text it, it talks about these things. Same way you had 
back in the day with uh, Christian slavers that would uh, uh, cite from like the Old Testament as far as like, well, it says here how to even beat your slave. It's like, it's like, yeah, maybe you should try what they call cafeteria religion, where it's like, I'm going to take the stuff Jesus said, because he seems like a cool dude, and I'm going to take some of the Buddha and Krishna stuff and sort of like form a harmonious life around that. Well, you don't, you don't have that with fundamentalism, right? Mm, right. So in, in, the, in, in like the Middle East and places outside of uh, uh, Western society, you, you, you kind of see th- how, how that plays out. Here in America, though, it's now the left that is the church. It's it's, it's the secular church of atheism. Uh, well, yeah, atheism. I was going to say it's a um, it's a church. It's a religion of uh, of lunatic um, egalitarianism, mm-hmm. um, lunatic egalitarianism, because they they propose that everyone is equal in ability and. Uh, Everything about you is equal, except maybe the configuration of, you know, the genitalia between man and woman. Besides that, everyone is completely equal, and that is insane. Any, any normal, rational-thinking person can see that it's not true. And me saying this is not, uh, it's not coming from hate. It's not coming from a position of supremacy, because I don't, I don't view myself... As superior to anyone, I mean, some people maybe, but on an individual uh, level, right. not on a collective level. Exactly. So, uh, so this this insane cult of egalitarianism just uh, it tells you things that are, anyone can see are plainly not true. The problem is, is the uh, the people who support these ideas they refuse to acknowledge that it's not true because like you said it makes them feel good it it makes them uh when they say something like there's only one race the human race gives them a little dopamine shot like you said it makes them look as if they are um very altruistic um but uh, i mean anyone can see that there's differences between the races that is not hateful. I mean, each mem- uh, members of each race will tell you, like, yeah, that's very true. Yeah, that's why uh, you know in the Olympics we have a you know a certain country will continue to win a certain sport year after year. Like I think uh, like the fastest runners are Ethiopian. Okay, uh, they're not just black people. They're not just African. They are from a specific region of Africa, right. uh, Ethiopia. And consistently, they run faster than everyone else in the Olympics. That means there is a difference there. And the differences should not be... Uh, the differences should be celebrated, in yeah. my opinion. But again, that's just me. <laughs> well, well, again, I, th- I think it ties back into what we were talking about earlier with uh, you know uh, uh, ideological subversion and cultural Marxism, where you w- you want to minimize competition, right? Unless it's who you want to be competing. So, mm. because what you don't want to be is usurped by uh, someone that you didn't expect to win, right? Mm. So, um, like uh, you know, with the uh, you know. Uh, Trump winning the election 2016, like they're not going to let that happen again. Like they're not going to, they're they're going to 
put in safeguards to make sure that, okay, well, a, a, a billionaire is not going to be able to go rogue and start his own political uh, party again. That's, mm. That is what is happening, and I do think that is good because it's going to separate the GOP rhinos and these oligarchs that have nothing to do with... Uh, uh, oh, yes. Stab it. It's breaking news. <laughs> Has a... Uh, Oh, sorry. Um, That's all good. I can't do anything about it. Look at what I'm on for. <laughs> I, I can't silence it. I can't. This is what happened in D.C. <laughs> it's cracked. I can't see. <laughs> so anyway. But but yeah, it's uh, he like it's it's not gonna it's not gonna happen again, right? That like he's he has created. I do think it's good that it's created this split on the right because again, it's not the right anymore, right? The the left hasn't quite had their fracture that they need to. I think Sanders could have. If he would have ran independent in 2016, which would have been really good for the country, right? Mm-hmm. He still would have lost, but it would have shown populists to be like, hey, fuck the oligarchs. We don't need them. Yeah. Like we, we can form something on our own. But instead, he sided with the Clintons, the the one of the most despicable, in my opinion, crime families. That has ever existed in American politics. Now, why do you suppose Bernie decided to take that route? I think it was because he got offered status and money. That's what I think it was. I, I think that he wanted to possibly have something for his family for after he's gone because he's getting up in age, right? Mm. So I think that they convinced him because he's soft-hearted like that to be like, like, like Bernie. Come on, man. Think about it. If you go up against all of this... It's going to ruin your career. Your family's going to get blacklisted. Nobody's going to be able to hire your grandkids anywhere. Like, all this stuff, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And instead he was like, but what we can do is we can use you to bring in the youth vote and we can work together to Mm -hmm. try to bring some of your ideas in. I think he... Uh, Which bowed. makes him feel good. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. It's it's amazing how empathy works with manipulating people in politics. And there's, there's more so than fear. Actually, empathy. I think it's the most manipulative tool. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm glad you see that. Um, and as the media bosses who who uh, who exploit that mm. in many cases. Uh, I mean, not in many cases. That's basically. The majority of our problems, these media bosses who know they control the minds of the masses and they they have no loyalty to our country, they have no loyalty to any uh, any uh, even a moral sense. They just have loyalty to their uh, their own advancement uh, and to keeping uh, competition out keeping everybody away from, you know, if everyone's pursuing um, equality instead of their own personal excellence, then they will never have any competition for, you know. No, that's uh, one of the big problems I have with um, the, the idea of equity as far as, well, we want to make sure that everybody gets the same results. That is a disastrous way to like try to solve a problem. Slavery is equitable. Every slave gets treated with the same amount of uh, 
uh, dehumanization as everybody else. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like it, it's, it's again, it creates this strong dichotomy of the classes between all of us and the very few that get to dictate everything, mm-hmm. right? And unelected re- officials. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, all all of these, you know, they, they get tossed around like like what's the Illuminati? Well, but that's that's just that's just a term for a council that was used yeah. like hundreds of years ago. So, like, what they are essentially, it's it's a board of CEOs, right? It's it's a it's a it's a room of folks that are dictating how the world is going to go, mm-hmm. so that they, if, they can stay in that position. If you want to look at a specific group, I would point to the Council of Foreign Relations. Mm, yes. They are major players. Um, if basically individuals who are part of that are. What you would call the Illuminati, they're they're part of that group. They might be a, a lower level, but that's basically. Well, I think the, it ties back into the Club of Rome as well, if I'm not yeah, mistaken. Yeah, yeah, that's right. The, the Roman. Uh, I mean, we, apparently we've been ruled over by. Uh, like, I wasn't. I wasn't aware of this. Um, I was raised Catholic. Um, born Catholic. Went to Catholic school and everything. Same. Okay. Really? Yeah, Catholic school uh, for seven years. Okay, so uh, someone I, I just recently discovered that uh, the Pope is basically a Caesar. Yeah. That's who he is. Yeah. Uh, He's just... uh, declared a hierophant mm-hmm. according to uh, Jesuit ideology. The, hi- the hierophant is the ruler of the world, the voice of God, in effect. They also have their uh, uh, other popes. They have the Black Pope, which yeah. is the leader of the Jesuit, and That's then they right. have the Gray Pope, which I believe is the uh, leader of the 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 coin purse, if you were. But these these three popes, you have the public pope, and then you have the uh, hierarchical pope, the black pope, right? And then the gray pope. But all, all of these are, they're essentially the hierophants, that they are the supreme rulers of the world. Yeah, so when, uh, as the Roman Empire collapsed, as it began to collapse, and they saw the rise of Christianity, they basically said... Let's merge the Roman Empire with Christianity. Yeah. And so uh, a lot of the, the pagan uh, holidays and celebrations, they just merged them with, uh, with Christian holidays. Yeah, Saturnalia mm-hmm. became Christmas. Right. And uh, so it, um, atheists will point to that as uh, saying, you know, that means that religion and Christianity specifically are bullshit. Um that might be a valid point, but I don't think that tells the whole story. Well, no, because Christianity itself evolved from older religions as well. You from know? paganism, yeah, yeah. So and sun worship, you know, yeah, like yeah. like all this all all this old world stuff just permeated mm-hmm. into the Renaissance, and then from the Renaissance, the Roman Empire was then sort of like we're going to remix everything. We're going to change art around the planet. We're going to change maps. We're going to change books. We're going to uh, infiltrate uh, the realms of uh, science, uh, the secular realm, and uh, the realm of theology as well. You know, so again, like you know, big big bang cosmology that that came from a priest. That came from a Vatican scientist. Did it? Yeah. Like, interesting. Yeah. Do, you, do you know the name? Not off the top of my head. No, I'm going to look into that later. That's interesting. Yeah, like they they funded, uh, like you said, like they're like like well, Christianity's on the rise. Let's merge it with the Roman Empire. Well, whenever 
you know, like uh, the Copernican Revolution happened, and then from science, and you start having like the beginnings of atheism start to sort of like mm -hmm. build up. Well, again, they're like, how can we take a part of this movement? Well, let's go ahead and get involved now. So they started their own religion in atheism as well, which uh, we would call now scientism. Right. And Big Bang cosmology comes from the church. Even uh, uh, aspects of uh, evolutionary biology was funded from Vatican money. Like, and it's, That's it's interesting. Yeah, because you you think like, well, why would they do something to undermine their own like organization? It's like, well, they're not undermining their own organization. What they're doing is they're taking charge of the critics of their organization and leading and them how they well, yeah how they want to go well that makes complete oh, that makes sense yeah it's, history tends to repeat itself mm, absolutely that, that's a good example yeah wow so uh oh man <laughs> so uh i forgot what, what we were was talking about <laughs> <laughs> kind of went around the world a couple of times there didn't we that, that, that'll happen man like as I'll start talking and like I'll listen to other people talking and I'll just be like, like yes mm -hmm. like, like yes like I know these ideas mm -hmm. and like just start like connecting all these dots and everything yeah that's why I have uh, I have sympathy for uh, Alex Jones he tries to explain something and then he gets off on a tangent and explains 20 things and just <laughs> spurs out. I get it. I understand. You can't explain one element without having all these. <sighs> I operate at like 3% of the level that Alex Jones' <laughs> brain operates well, on. All you got to do is buy his, his vitamins. <laughs> there was, my, my, my buddy Judd sent me something earlier. Somebody did a, a research and found out that... Uh, was it like Gwyneth Paltrow's like pussy dust or something like that? Mm. It's made up of the same stuff that Super Male Vitality from Alex Jones is made up of. Like it has the same active ingredients. Wow. <laughs> she just changed one thing about it. Which is essentially what he did. Like he, you know, took like some of these like uh I guess stuff that you would get over the counter, right? And then you you look to see like, well, what's the main active ingredient in these supplements? You get the main active ingredient, and then you can add harmless filler material to it, and then you can get intellectual property rights for your new product. What? And all you gotta do is market it. Yeah, there you yeah. go. But there there is something to be said about like uh, Alex Jones, as far as like, I I have not seen someone who has been correct on so many things be demonized for being incorrect on like four or five things like the uh which is that school the sandy hook thing yeah yeah that's what he's mostly criticized for yeah and like people still like use that and they're like like he he denied sandy hook happened it's like yeah he also went back later and said he was wrong about it that he mm. was mistaken he yeah. was given false data on it he's had to pay money for it. He's been blacklisted. And it's admirable anytime someone can admit that they were wrong about something. Right. Yeah. But, like, that's, a, like, he and, uh, honestly, the uh, the Q conspiracy theory were uh, correct about Epstein, though. Like, right. they were the ones that were talking about it. Mm -hmm. And so... Did you dive deep into the whole Q thing? Um... I, I I did a, a few years ago, and because like that's how like I knew about like Epstein before like he didn't kill himself, you know. Mm -hmm. um, but like that was one of the things where I was just like, holy shit, the Q people got it right, right? Like I was like, like 
like he, he did get arrested. Like it's not just mm-hmm. like this fucking like hearsay or whatnot. I, I think that's also at around the same moment. Was that August of 2019? That was around the same time that all of a sudden all of the crazy Q stuff started popping off. Yeah, like this what I would call psyop stuff, where it's yeah, like, where it's like Trump is uh, uh, helping uh, get kids out of tunnels underground and mm-hmm. I was like, that doesn't that's, sound like the QAnon that's stuff. Insane. Yeah, that is insane. But and but then like more stuff started piling up, where it's like you know they're gonna they're gonna shut down all communications and they're gonna have Tom Hanks live talking on yeah. a camera because he's like. Before that, they put a hood over them and yeah. hang them or whatever. Yeah, yeah then, right. uh, then they're going to have uh, uh, Clinton and uh, Obama and all of them standing mm-hmm. trial for treason, just like uh, uh, Julian Assange uh, uh, leaked out those emails, said that they had mm-hmm. done treasonous stuff. It's like, this doesn't seem sensical to me, fellas. Mm-hmm. Like, well, now, if you look at the data points, that seems more sensible, right? Now, I'm, uh, I'm, in, I'm having a good time uh, criticizing this whole thing with you, but... I'm not gonna lie. I was snookered. <laughs> they, they they got me on quite a few things. I was I was reading it. I was like, my God, sharing it with people. I like, read what's going to happen, and uh, it's a good example. It's a kind of like a crash course learning. Like if someone tells you something that you want to believe, you're going to be. You're going to attach yourself to it. Yeah, you're definitely going to be more apt to believe what they say. I very much wanted to believe a lot of it. So uh, it it took me in. I I believed a lot of it. Um, Mm -hmm. The interesting thing is a lot of it is valid. Very true. (laughs) A lot of it is true. And a lot of it, uh, just because of that, it it leads me to believe that um, whoever's behind it is informed about behind the scenes thing, you know, activity. That doesn't mean that, uh, you know, everything's true. It just means it's a psychological, like you said, it's an operation. Right. Psychological uh, warfare in a way. Um, I I think it was a a way to, and it does have uh, inverse effects, but it's a way to get the folks that have the most firepower in the country, right, to uh, mm. be... Passive, yeah, that's right, and and sit at home. It's the perfect boomer recipe for sports fans. Yeah. Like, hey, you're in on it. You're in on the secret. You get to sit at home and watch it unfold on TV. It's like trust the plan. Yeah, trust the plan. Two more weeks. Trust the plan. You're gonna see this happen. Just don't take any action. Okay. Now. I mean, man, look, I enjoy making fun of Q and the whole uh, conspiracy theory thing. But uh, just to bring it back to the left, uh, let's bring up some of the left's conspiracy theories. Namely, that Donald Trump was installed by the Russians. Okay? I'm not saying it's entirely untrue. It might be true. Uh, I personally don't believe it. But when the time came for them to show the evidence, namely, Adam Schiff was tasked with showing the evidence at his impeachment trial, which they spent $50 of our taxpayer dollars making this impeachment trial. When it came time for Adam Schiff to enter into the evidence what uh, what the impeachable offense was, which was a phone call, 
if you remember correctly. Mm -hmm. It was a phone call from Donald Trump. Uh, he took the actual um, the the actual uh, phone call and because they, they printed it out, they made it available. I think the Pentagon did. Mm -hmm. Anyone could look at look up the the uh, transcript. There you go. You could look up the transcript, see exactly what he said. Adam Schiff was tasked with entering that into the evidence. Uh, when you enter something into evidence at a court, you tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. He reads the transcript, and he adds his own lines. Yeah. Okay? And then uh, he finishes, you know, adding the own, his own lines to make it sound incriminating. So, okay, now we have a discrepancy here. Either Schiff is lying or the Pentagon is covering it up for Donald Trump. Yeah. Which and, is And it? somehow Schiff, had, with his intel, quote-unquote, was able to get this extra transcript. Right. So they ask him about it, the news media, you know, they ask him, Adam Schiff, about it. So, you know, this doesn't add up with the official transcript. Well, who's lying here? He says, I'm... I'm not lying. I was paraphrasing. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, he went on later, I believe, to say that he was uh, 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 being uh, uh, in a parodic manner, like he was making a parody of it. It's like, I don't think that when you're entering it into the congressional record, that's the time for you to be hyperbolic or be a comedian of that sorts. Is absolutely not the time. <laughs> that's the exact opposite of what you're supposed to do. 100% agree. It's insane. So I, I, I think he's a despicable man. He is. He is. Um, I think. I don't want to go into it. I'll, I'll say some pre but horrible there, things. There, there are some things that are tied in with the the Q theory, though. That it kind of makes sense why he was leading this charge to be like, like, no, we have to impeach him. We have to impeach him now. We have to. We have to do it now. And I mm -hmm. think. I think you know, like, kind of without saying it, you know, aloud, but. Some of the implications in the in the Q theory that tied in with him directly. Yeah, his actions seem to reflect that there was more truth to the matter than uh, he would uh, like the public to know. Hmm. You know what I mean? So like he he like a few other people, you have to demonstrate loyalty, right? Yeah. Like the sycophancy again. So mm -hmm. if he demonstrates he's an orange man, bad person to his political affiliates then they're likely going to have his back whenever a fallout potentially happens mm. that doesn't mean they will but it's a it's like a, an insurance policy you know to mm. use to use one of their conspiracy terms yeah, yeah makes sense but yeah the the russiagate thing like there was a clip a few years ago from uh, one of the heads of cnn saying that we actually don't have anything but mm -hmm. zucker is telling us that we need to not report on the oh, news. right. I think to... that was the Project Veritas. Yep. Is that correct? Yep, yeah, sure was. All right. Um, so, yeah, that's, I mean, it's right there for anyone to, you know, anyone who wants to, uh, you know, put aside their their biases and look into it with, and under a factual lenses, you can see that uh, it, it was a scam. The whole Russiagate thing was a scam. And unless it wasn't, and they knew more, but the time for them to present it was at his impeachment trial, right. and they f absolutely failed at that. Well, and when that didn't work, a few weeks later, COVID happened. Oh, 
That's a good point. I did not even think about that. That's yeah, valid point. Yeah, just a few weeks later, like, and then uh, they, the, in, in my opinion, they had they had all this stuff set up from the get go, mm-hmm. from inauguration day. They had everything lined up because you know I think it was Michael Malice who said that you know Trump was not the river to flood out like the system. He was the dam, but the dam is broken. Hmm. So like all all he could do was stall this authoritarian lockdown for a little bit to try to set some things right before they do it. Interesting. And mm. I, I, I think, because if you look at some of the executive orders that uh, he has passed, they're very progressive. They're incredibly progressive. And, uh, you know, I like uh, the the First Step Act, the Second Chance Act, the Save Our Seas Act. The executive order on policing. Yeah. That's a... Uh, uh, an- animal cruelty being felonious, like um, the uh, pres- preservation of uh, uh, national parks. Mm-hmm. You know, when they're like, like, oh, he's he's just going to root up, you know, like all the environment. Right, because he's an evil capitalist who just yeah. wants to plunder the earth. He's a real estate gangster from New York. That's a different kind of criminal <laughs> yeah. than like what we've been accustomed to. Yeah, you know, you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Like you. When people are like, like, well, I think he's a, a, a despicable human being. It's like, okay, I, I, I don't have necessarily a logical counter for that mm-hmm. because, because again, like he's he's came up through New York real estate to become a billionaire. Mm-hmm. You don't get that way by being a hospitable human being. Yeah. you know what I mean. Being but, nice to everybody. Yeah, yeah but you, you're not talking about that. You're talking about the politics, right? The policies. That's where politic comes from. It comes mm-hmm. from policy, right? So, like, him having an, an executive order where if you don't, as a public university, support the rights of your faculty and students or all to have freedom of speech, your First Amendment, you lose public funding. That's a good thing. Yeah. Like, that, that's a, a good thing to have. The, the bad things that I think people don't look at as far as, like, what he did are things that increase the police and surveillance state. Yeah. You know, and... Again, that's bringing us into the 21st century. These are things that, again, like he, he was a dam to sort of stop the flood. So as a way to, I guess, make sure that, say, a foreign uh, entity like Russia or China doesn't dictate how our authoritarian policies will be had in the uh, 21st century, he becomes a part of it and works with the intelligence communities to set it up to be like, well, we can't stop this, sir. It's happening. Mm. Whether you do anything about it or not, it's happening. Would you like to do some stuff about it to uh, prolong the uh, 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 benefit of the population? Mm-hmm. I think I think those were the moves to make. So again, because a lot everything with history you have to deal with every or politics you have to do with everything that has historically happened already mm-hmm. to you, right? So whenever Trump comes in, he's like, they left me a mess. It was a disaster. He's not wrong. Right. He's not wrong, but every president every walks president in. can say that. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. That's a good point. <laughs> but, uh, so, uh, what you were talking about, the uh, communist uh, countries don't dictate our policies. Right. For um, the, this authoritarian great reset. Now, the interesting thing is they do in a way because... Um, uh, many of our corporations are headed by communists. Uh, for example, uh, I'll point to Reddit. 
Uh, I don't know who the current CEO is right now because mm -hmm. I, I got off Reddit years ago. But they had uh, the CEO was a uh, lady named Ellen Powell. She's uh, Asian. I want to say she's Chinese, but I'm not not certain. She's East Asian. And she is a communist. Um, she's entitled to be a communist, I suppose. But when you're CEO of a corporation that uh, that is active in the United States, that means if you employ uh, people, if you employ Americans, the corporate policy that those Americans are following is basically indoctrinating them into communism. Yeah. Because it's just corporate policy. Yeah. But it's dictated by this communist CEO. Well, you want to be able to keep your job. Right? Yeah. yeah. Like, like I do. You know what That's I mean? Right. So like if, if my bosses are like, hey, we're going to start doing this. We're trying to change the culture of the, the workforce. I'll be like, all right, what do you need me to do? Yeah. Like, what do, you, mm -hmm. what do you need me to do? They're not violating any of my scruples, but what, over, over time, it, it can change your outlook. Mm -hmm. You know, What they need you to do is keep your mouth shut and just do as a worker bee should do. Yeah. That's what they want. They don't want someone who can think freely. And, man, and the thing about it is, is uh, probably 90% of the population doesn't really think freely. They're capable of it, but they... Uh, well, the lie's comfortable, right? That's true. The, the, tr the, the truth is the discomfort. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's a lot... It's like uh, people that comply with all the stuff that's going on. It's like, well, why are they all complying? Well, because it's easier. Mm. It, 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 a lot of folks don't want any trouble. You know, they just, they just want to live their life and, quote, unquote, get back to normal, which, shocker, is not happening. Mm. It, it's not going to happen. But th these are the same folks that, you know, they'll, for instance, like I, I, I do not um, willingly uh, give my money to uh, Disney. I, I, I have uh, personal problems with them. As and, do I. And so, like, uh, I don't have a Disney Plus account. The Hulu account that I have is just tied to Spotify. I don't, I don't, I don't pay for it or anything, but it is there. Are they a subsidiary? Uh, Disney owns Hulu, mm -hmm. um, but my uh, my personal reasons with that are uh, ABC and Disney. You know, they're they're owned. Disney owns ABC. Uh, they they had knowledge of the Epstein stuff years ago. <laughs> Years ago, and Disney was even running cruises to Little St. James Island. That's right, they were. So, like, I, I've personally, uh, I protest with my dollar. Um, other than you know having the podcast and you know just letting people speak, mm -hmm. but uh, I'm not giving my money to Disney. I'm I'm not going to uh, have a Disney Plus account. Aside from ignoring what I consider the evils about it. It, it, it kind of just pacifies me in a certain way that like almost like a drug does, you know, like those flashing colors and the storyline that it's actually the same story told over and over again, magnificently mm. every time. Like some Disney kind makes of phenomenal. Uh, yeah. Uh, some kind of tragedy happens early in the story. It traumatizes the yeah. little children. Yeah. Like, yeah. Ooh. A parent dies early on. That's that's uh, normally a trope in a lot of Disney films. Mm -hmm. It's a formula. It's yeah, it's it's a way um, to sort of break a child, right? To give them trauma and then coax them and build them back up. Mm -hmm. You, uh, 
it's from a Dave Chappelle uh, stand-up where he's talking about a, a pimp named Iceberg, I think his name is. And he talks about uh, how he gets his hose to be loyal to him. He says, he says like, oh, well, that's easy. First, you beat that bitch within an inch of her life. Then you run her a hot bath, give her some champagne and a lot of pills. She'll be so thankful that you're the one that fixed her, she'll forget all about that you were the one that broke her in the first place. Jesus, that's some psychology there. That's on a deep level that yeah. a pimp shouldn't run. That's street psychology. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> but but if you think about it like that, as far as like on a micro level, how a Disney film would react, that 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 is a similar way, like for a child, right? That like you you break them. Like with this fear, this trauma, oh, yeah. in, in, a, in a short little while, and you get them emotionally dependent and weak, and then you're like, well, hey, let's sing a song about it. Let's, let's all come oh, together. Oh, yeah, okay. And, let's, and then let's, you feel better yeah. all of a sudden. Yeah, yeah and that's then, interesting. And then once you have them feeling better, then you can get them to do your will, right? So then uh, a conflict and climax happens, right? So it's like, well... You're broken down. Your spirits are low. Let's build you back up. Now that you're back up, this is your enemy. Hmm. Oh, wow. Now, uh, consider this. That same formula might be uh, being used in just real life. Um, Traumatic events. uh, Young people see traumatic events, and then, like you say, they say, here's your enemy. Yeah. Yeah. to be specific about it, uh, the boomer generation, as kids, they watched uh, Kennedy have his head blown off yeah. on TV. They saw it. That's very traumatizing to them. And they grew up with that trauma, you know, that psychological, the weight of it on their in their minds. Mm-hmm. And then uh, what was, uh, I think, the next thing um, for my generation was uh, the Challenger explosion. They got, when I was a little kid, they got all of us into the cafeteria. This was the same across the country, schools across the country. Everybody knew who Krista McAuliffe was. Everybody knew about the Challenger. They got us into the lunchrooms. They got on the TV, and we saw in real time the Challenger explode, and those people died. That's trauma- traumatizing to yeah. them. Yeah, then you have 9-11. Next generation gets 9-11. Mm-hmm. They see it on TV, people falling to their deaths. Okay, these are more or less 20-year increments, give or take. Yeah. So it's been 20 years since 9-11. We're due. We're due for something. Unless my unless I'm just looking too much into it, and it's just well, I think the the traumatic events as far as viewing them has kind of already happened. So like like last summer, you know, with you know Minneapolis, some of these other cities catching fire, and then the you know uh, Kyle and Kenosha like debacle that happens, like and you see things that are really scary to people that are locked down in their house and they're angry and disenfranchised anyway. And then you see it, what happened, uh, you know, recently with the DC stuff, where you flip it to the other side of the coin. We're like, like, hey, you know, all those those crazy white people that are there in DC. Look, they've stormed the Capitol. Look mm-hmm. at them. This feller's got horns on. Aren't you afraid? <laughs> you know what I mean? But like, it's 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 theater. 
that, that, that it's, it's used just the way like a movie company or a storyteller would, would use something in order to get you suckling at the teat of these uh, authoritarian puppet masters. It, it seems like such a specific formula that there's probably no way it could just be uh, co- coincidental. It can't be, uh, you know, just just happen on its own. Like someone's, um, there's a design behind this. But on the other hand, it could just equally be like society is in chaos. And yeah. I mean, People have a hard time uh, interacting with people, and it just comes to a head after a certain time. I mean, it's very interesting to think about. I tend to lean towards all of this is by design. Um, like I said, it could equally just be a, a societal thing, but I think there's a shadowy group behind all of this, and um, they're making it. They're put, pitting people against each other, and uh, most people can see that. Uh, it's probably just due to they want to maintain their own power. But then there's other elements about it, like um, maybe uh, maybe the elites are all atheistic, and their god is science, in a way. So, mm. uh, so maybe they're only they're only um, motive is to employ the scientific method. So when you see something happen, let's say 9-11 happened, and we think there's somebody behind it, you kind of try to figure out what their goal is. Like, oh, they're, they're bringing down the towers to install this. But really, the motive might be just to see what happens. It's a scientific method. You mm-hmm. take a... you, you Add a, uh, you you know, you take a focus group and you add stimulus and you see what happens. And that it could just be that simple. They want to see what happens. Very scary. A little bit. It's was well, it's kind of the um. People start uh, using like throwing around like 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 well they believe in science all this is like well yeah the Nazis believed in science as well and they were just injecting people with stuff to see what happens. The science is not altruistic by itself. In fact, science, by definition, is indifferent mm-hmm. completely. So, while it is, it could be possible that like it is one of these things where it's just like, eh, let's see what happens. I think more or less it would be like, let's see what happens to see if we can get to point C. We're on point A, but we want from point B to lead to point C. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So, I, I think that... Um, I think most of this as well is by design. Like, mm. I, I, I don't, much like a, a lot of things, I, I don't believe in the happenstance forming so many coincidences. Now, if, uh, if you were part of a group that had absolute or just, um, just incredible power, mm. um, now I could tell by just that from this conversation that you have a set of morals and, and you're uh, pretty uh, devoted to those. But uh, let's say you are part of a, some kind of group that held power. Mm-hmm. Would you be willing to give up that power? Because I, I kind of tend to think that most people who are part of a group that has power, if there was no uh, 
conspiracy to keep power. They would create one. Yeah. I think I think that's human nature. I, I think so too. Um, I'm not apt to give up my power. Mm-hmm. You know, like I'm I, I'm I'm not exactly a, a a cuck by any standards of the word. You know what I mean? Like it, like I'm not about that at all. About the the submissiveness of it. So if I were in charge, no, like like I'll be honest, no, I, I would not likely. Uh, want nor would uh, give up power. You know what I mean? Because like that's because you you, you can create the world in your image. In that yeah, way. and you think your viewpoint is. Uh, and I mean, everybody pretty much sees it this way. You think your viewpoint is correct, and you think if everybody can just adapt your viewpoint, then they'll be correct too. Yeah. It's a part of human nature. Uh, but yeah, and once you get power to do that, you, what you don't want to do is to relinquish that power because maybe it's because of control issues. It may also just be because you don't want to fail. You know what I mean? It could just be like, like no, no, I can, I can make this work. I can make it work, guys. Just let me, let me keep working at this a little bit longer, and we'll we'll find out a way to make it happen. Um, but what's the what's the cliche that uh, absolute power corrupts absolutely? That's right. So I I. I yeah, I, th- I, I think that uh, I would not be so no. apt. Yeah. Well, well, let me let me ask you this uh, before we uh, before we wrap up. Where where do you think we're headed, right? And where would you like to see the world being in, say, like ten years from now? Oh well, firstly, uh, where we're headed is I firmly believe we're headed for a war. Um, maybe I, I don't know. I don't know who the fact, factions would be. Um, I definitely see a war coming with Iran. I don't know if um, I don't know if that would be the correct move. I I tend to this leads to your second question. I tend to think America should be isolationist mm. I th- because that's I what, agree with that. That's what we were for the first hundred hundred and fifty years, <laughs> and it worked pretty well. You know, we had a civil war that's, you know, but in that civil war, people don't realize foreign foreign actors played a large part in that. Um, people don't realize that, but... British banking cartel was yeah. funneling a lot of money to the Confederacy. They wanted their, they wanted their colonies back. <laughs> I mean, uh, they funded, you know, Britain funded the creation of America, and then what did we do? We said... No taxation without representation. Yeah. Get off our backs. And they're just like, well, we loaned you a lot of money to get started. <laughs> and we're just like, no. That's an argument I had made, quick tangent, uh, about um, like, 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 well, how could the Founding Fathers, they were all these evil men. It's like, no, because like, not all the Founding Fathers believed in people as property. But what happens is you only had a quarter of the people that were here that were willing to fight the British. Out of that quarter of people, these folks realized they had to ally themselves temporarily with folks they deemed as criminals mm-hmm. yeah. in order to defeat a bigger criminal organization. All the while, they then, after found the American independence, couldn't root out this internal problem for another hundred years or so. And it ended up leading to the Civil War. Mm-hmm. Because then they're like, all right, now that we've kind of got autonomy, this bit of autonomy is a little disturbing because 
they don't have people, you have people as property. These mm-hmm. people are not property, they're people. They're right. entitled to the same rights as the slave owners. And there, there's, there were, um, there's alternative ways to uh, get out of that system. Um, you know, if you, if you have a, if you're a slave owner with a few slaves, basically you became, you become an employer with employees. Um, and the way you do that is basically, you know, through government, uh, government subsidy subsidies to, you know, make that transition. Right. Um, of course, not every slave is going to want to be an employee of your, you know, <laughs> so you have the option. I think they should have given the option for you to get off the plantation and go wherever. Yeah. But um, a large element of the Civil War was that uh, the North was industrial South was agricultural, and you know. Well, the oligarchs, whenever couldn't have people as property anymore, they just moved out of the South and went north to the industrial zones and started re-strategizing from there. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Meanwhile, the uh, the South was sort of less left in destitution. So, like in the Reconstruction era, back to the Wilmington stuff, that's when you start seeing autonomy fully rise up out of the South. You know, you start seeing like black businesses, all, all the places where the Democrats had control, they no longer had control. Mm-hmm. You know, the Confederacy had fractured completely. So because you had all of these folks that were disenfranchised, they had to figure out life on their own. They mm-hmm. had to pick up themselves by the bootstraps, as the expression goes. Yeah, where they never had to do that before and never really cons- because they were slaves. They had no... Uh they might have had no. Uh, it never occurred to them that they might be freed one day. Yeah, yeah, that's man, that's crazy. <laughs> well, it's it's hard to free yourself if you don't even know you're a slave. Yeah, you know uh, what I mean. And then in the north, the industrial north, uh, the employees of a, a corporation or whatever, what have you, they might have been. The conditions might have been little better than slavery, but they were told that they are free and they're employees, so. They're okay with it. Um, it's, you know, it's very interesting the way we've this country's progressed. Yeah. Um, so, so where do you see in uh, in ten years? Oh, ten or, years. What, what would you like to see? I would like to see. Uh, I would like to see a collapse of the fiat system. And go back to a, um, you know, not necessarily gold back. Resource back. Yeah, ex- exactly. Um, and I would like to see a non-interventionalism with uh, the rest of the world. Um, basically, American politicians are elected to oversee America. It is not your job to strengthen other countries. Yeah. And well, we need those gender studies in Pakistan. Like those are really, really important. So thank God that they they work that into the second <laughs> stimulus. You know, you know, I, I oh my God, that's insane. That's just <laughs> insane to think about. We billions and billions of dollars went overseas no. when when people aren't even allowed to work. So. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you on that. I, th- I think that, that that would be ideal to see a bit of uh, uh, isolationism mm-hmm. and, you know, we'll say flexibility with currency. You know what I mean? I, I do think that something like uh, Bitcoin is sort of offering that. You now have a lot of major Wall Street firms that are dumping millions and millions of dollars into Bitcoin. That, to me, tells me something 
is on the horizon. Mm. Uh, you you can invest while well, Bitcoin itself I think is like forty k for one coin right now. Yeah, it's, you can you don't have to buy a whole coin. Like yeah. I've invested I think like like two hundred thousandths of a percent into Bitcoin. Mm-hmm. It's like a hundred bucks or so. But like still like put something back you know just in case. Like if it was ten years ago and you would have bought like ten bitcoins. For when they were a dollar a piece, you now have like four hundred thousand dollars. Yeah. So like I, I think that this is a bit of a gold rush, and mm. who knows to say when it's going to spike, and then they may do something to be like, well, you can't buy uh, Bitcoin anymore. Well, all they have to do is cut the power. How are you going to get your Bitcoins out of your virtual wallet mm. if you have no power? You have no internet. Yeah. That's why I have no interest in Bitcoin. I think that's what they'll do with uh, some like UBI down the road as well. As because if you if you get out of line with uh, the say uh, ideological principles of whoever is in charge, then they can just be like, well, they can penalize you. Yeah, they're just be like, well, your social credit score has dropped, so you can't access your money until you bring your social score up. Why don't you try virtue signaling online a little bit, boost it up a little bit. I, I think that's where we're headed to. Now, if you're living on a farm producing your own food, that's not a problem. <laughs> <laughs> so, so what you said earlier about people getting away from the cities, mm-hmm. that's the way to go. Yeah. Looks like it. Yeah. <laughs> In I my agree. opinion. Yeah. James, uh, sat down and talked to me for about two hours and 40 some minutes. Has so, it been that Yeah, long? man. It was a great uh, conversation. Yeah, I, I enjoyed it thoroughly. Thank you uh, so much Thank for uh, you. sharing your time. I hope to do it again. Yeah, so. man, ab- absolutely. So I, I appreciate your uh, your perspective, as unique as it is. I you know I always enjoy uh, having uh, individuals come on the show. So um, is is there anything that uh, we can uh, we can promote for you uh, for the listeners? Uh, oh, oh, not at this time. I'm working on uh, I'm working on this. Uh, well. What I want to do is create uh, political music videos. Mm-hmm. It's like a merging of political videos and just music uh, for the younger generation. Um, it wouldn't be for you know parents, people our age. Right. It'd be kind of something like, uh, well, when I was growing up, when I was a teenager, Rage Against the Machine, you know, came out, and everybody. At the time, all, me and my friends, we all decided we wanted to be edgy, political, you know? <laughs> and we didn't realize uh, what the politics of rage against the machine were. A uh, L- little paradoxical yeah. of a communist group in a capitalist market. Right, right, right. <laughs> and, uh, so, uh, but I guess my point with that is <coughs> it was effective. It got kids into politics even if they didn't quite understand what they were supporting right so i sort of want to do something for the right wing in a way of making music uh videos for younger people and uh so that's kind of what i'm looking at and um well rage was really good for that because while i you know i don't agree with like zach de la roca's uh politics now like he was a extremely influential for me for having American cynicism, mm-hmm. which I think every American should absolutely have. Mm-hmm. And that was a good launching pad oh, for... Uh, it's been, oh man, it's been what, like uh, 20, 20 so close to 20 years, something like that. What, 93 is when it came out, yeah, right? Yes, so 27 okay. years. So, 
Yeah. Wow. <laughs> so, <laughs> so uh, the but the thing about it is it's so effective that if you put on that first album, I I can spout all the, all the lyrics with. Fuck yeah. Man. So it's kind of like I see how effective that it, that was, and I kind of want to use that to you know get my viewpoints out there. Um, but I, I just don't. I don't know where the future is headed. We're obviously in a uh, conflict with ideologies that oppose each other. One of those is going to come out on top. And uh, the, the other ideology might be full of people who are, uh, you know, um, unemployable in the future yeah. just because of their views. And I might be one of those people. Um, currently... Um, currently, I am one of those people. Um, a lot, you know, a lot of corporations, if they found out my views, that as rational as I think they have been, um, they just don't want to be associated with that. So in the future, one ideology is going to be, uh, you know, unemployable. Right. Or Well, for, know, for certain markets, for sure. Yeah. Um, Again, to what we were talking about earlier, like they've they've sort of further separated these demographics, and so they're like, like, okay, well, these marketing tactics aren't going to work over here, mm -hmm. but we do have marketing tactics that'll work with this demographic as well. So I I think that, well, yeah, uh, there is a threat as far as employment, and you're right that like there there's going to be a crackdown on uh, uh, conservatives and uh, Republicans and uh, Libertarians mm -hmm. from speaking their mind. Um, I don't know if that will be the, the, uh, a permanent thing, mm -hmm. but I, I do think that corporations are going to be like, look, there's too much of a risk assessment of having bring in folks with uh, something that is considered quote-unquote fringe mm -hmm. ideologies. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it, it, it wouldn't have mattered if it were one ideology or the other but once you start saying that like well your thoughts aren't uh, really aligned with on uh, your personal life with who we want in our workforce it's like well shouldn't you keep those separate anyway like yeah you know? or it could be that the future just holds uh you know they see this conflict between the the ideologies as profitable mm -hmm. especially for the media who uh you know, we used to have just the nightly news. Now we have 24 hours of news. Yeah. You could put it on Fox or CNN. It's all day long. They have to fill those hours with something. So in a lot of ways, I feel like the conflict is being uh, pushed by the media who's just making money off it. Yeah. So it might be that the next 10 years just follows that pattern. And... If it does, I don't want it to, but if it does, I'm just going to try and profit, make my own money, and, you know, just care for my family with it. Yeah. That's basically, I think that's what everybody wants, is just, you know, make your money and be left alone so you can focus on your family. Yeah. I hope, I hope that in the future it's easier to do that. Um, it's certainly not easy to do that right now. Right. All of the business during the uh, lockdown went to Amazon and Walmart. Everyone else was at home, just, you know, 
if you needed something, you had to go to Walmart or order it from Amazon. So currently, oh, we're in trouble. <laughs> we have a lot of work to do to pull ourselves out of this. I don't know who's going to pull us out of it. I don't know which, uh, which party or if a party can do that. So uh, I'm very apprehensive about the future. Um, what do you think? Um, I'm not sure. I think the I think the world's going to keep ticking, regardless, right? Um, I I do think that this authoritarianism is not done by a long shot. Mm-hmm. I think it's going to accelerate. I think that the trick is you have to be able to adapt or drown, right? I'm not trying to drown by any yeah. stretch of the imagination. Um, this same guy uh, from earlier I mentioned, uh, Dan Pena, uh, he uh, uh, also, uh, <coughs> he talks about that if you really want to change the world, you have to find a way to become filthy rich. Once you become rich, then you can change the world. And he uses uh, like Elon Musk as a good example. He's like, he became incredibly wealthy and then was like, okay, now I want to start enterprises that are things I think will be for the betterment of mankind in the long run. Mm-hmm. He talks about you, you can't do it while you're still climbing your way up. Right. You have to get up to the top, and then you can make real change. Right. So. It's like Scarface said. First you get the money, then you get the power, <laughs> then you get the woman. There you go. <laughs> Same thing. Hell it's yeah. a street philosophy. Hell yeah. Well, shit. Well, thanks again, James. Thank you for awesome. having me. I got pee so bad. Yep, so. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> That's how we'll wrap it up. Oh, yeah. Later, y'all. <laughs>